Hello and welcome to the Andyplex. I'm your host, Andy Majorano. This is episode 13, spooky Halloween episode, and 13 is a spooky number. Today's episode we're calling Hellraiser. Twitch has such sights to show you. With me today, super special guest who I've been collaborating with via Twitch. And so happy to have you on the show, Mr. Darren Emanuel. Welcome, sir. Hello, hello, hello. The world mostly knows you, or at least your professional world around you knows you as Dad's First Time, which you're very good at using that that handle all over the place, Instagram, Facebook, Twitch, and probably yeah, elsewhere Twitter, as well. YouTube, all over. Those things too, yes. Well, thank you for beaming into my living room virtually here over Zoom. Thank you for having me. This is an honor, a privilege, and can't wait to laugh a lot <laughs> i hope hopefully we will we'll try to we'll try to make it funny i know we're talking about the 1987 clive barker directorial debut hellraiser which is a uh not a comedy but um we have lots lots else to talk about that's fun and lots of exciting stuff i know you're a big horror movie person and i you actually chose hellraiser which is you know a stipulation my guest chooses the movie i'm very excited to talk about hellraiser but also in super halloween mode right now and you and i have been doing some halloween twitching together oh yeah and i just saw some overlays that you're going to be using for our show that i do with uh you and uh you'll be with gianni and i decrata my other Twitch counterpart for our Thursday night podcast stream, which has been a real blast. We've been doing that all year. And you've uh, you've been a guest a few times now. Yeah. Can't wait. Horror Thursday. This is going to be fun. Oh, the topics. The topics we will talk about. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I'm super pumped. And I just got to see some of your overlays. You do a lot of the graphic stuff for Twitch, uh, which is a very, very awesome interface. And even if you're not a gamer, a lot of people have been using it for just kind of doing TED Talks with the world, and it's just a, a really cool engine. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, and, you uh, know what's funny? I don't even think... I don't know if you saw the sneak peek, so I'm going to do an actual full-on horror episode this Saturday, and I created an entire... almost like a movie set for Twitch. Um, oh, my God. And cool. I, don't think I've, I don't think I showed you. It's an interactive movie set, which means if you are the viewer or you're the fans, um, you can activate channel points, and it activates certain things around the room that are very classic horror tropes uh, or very classic horror movie um, signatures, uh, if you will, that people can just kind of, you know, have fun interacting with while I'm doing my shtick for, for Halloween. It's something probably no one's ever seen on Twitch. Oh, man, that's so exciting. Yeah, let's let's take a step backward. Um, I really, really I'm really excited to talk to talk about Twitch because. I'm new to it, but it's become really one of my best friends, um, especially in this quarantine where, you know, a lot of us are stuck home, either working from home or <laughs> not working from home because <laughs> we either lost our jobs or the market's pretty, pretty bad right now. I know I'm one of the, the hospitality folks that found myself uh, kind of back to square one a little bit, but I've been really focusing on what I love and my passions and Got to meet you through my, my brother Gianni, who's an awesome guy, and it was really his idea to kind of fuse some of our interests. He's a giant video gamer. I'm 
we're doing podcasts obviously right now we're doing a podcast <laughs> big podcaster big movie buff big just lover of cinema and we said well hey we're probably not going to get to see each other much this year but let's uh hang out remotely via twitch and we've been doing the thursday night show and my brother just let me know that we hit six months like already like it's probably almost seven months now um that show was fantastic real... by the way oh thank you so it's much fantastic really appreciate you saying like, that you've become our uh a role model of sorts you're, you're like we're talking about your your physical look and the overlays that you do for the actual visual medium um are so so cool and your interactivity and your crew and just thanks so much for being a part of the thursday night and uh you know even when you're not co-hosting with us you're usually there and you're seem to be all over the place we we've branded you the hardest working man in twitch huh. um you know what you just seem to be i'll, I'll take that title yeah <laughs> you seem to be all over the place you know, just kind of like multiplicity with Michael Keaton. You're, there's like how <laughs> many of underrated are? movie too. What a very it is a very underrated movie. Oh Should goodness. we just pivot to that right now? <laughs> right, <laughs> man. Well, you know, most Michael Keaton vehicles are pretty underrated because you know, I think when he made that shift over to to a serious actor from comedy, nobody was taking him seriously, and he was yeah. pretty good. He's a pretty good serious actor, and then he switched back to comedy, and you know, he never he didn't miss a beat whatsoever. I know, I know, and it's sad when when people kind of get stuck in a box. Especially, it's like, you know, I'm an actor. It's like you want to be, you you want to act, you want to expand your wings, you want to show that you can do, you can be versatile. Uh, but it's often happens where you get kind of branded as as one thing, and some people are able to kind of uh, reinvent and and get out of it. Some people are just happy to work. I mean, I know it's one of those things where it's like I'm happy to be working, you know, but uh, wanting to kind of push into new frontiers and i really feel like this twitch thing has given me so much of a vehicle to to push and learn and grow and do it in a really comfortable fun space and twitch it's so like positive i mean sure there's trolls everywhere it's it's the internet you know trolls are lurking but i just what has really continued continued to blow me away in the best way is how like upbeat it is how positive it is how People are just so willing to connect and willing to lift each other up. And it's very, uh, you know, Gianni and I call it uh, the rising tide raises all barges mentality, which mm-hmm. I know you're you're a, a, a big proponent of as well. And um, just let's all let's all work to be better. Let's all work to grow together instead of being like me versus you, us versus them. Oh, yeah. Um, so in a, in, a, in a time of division and 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 worry and fear and. You know, 2020 has been the true horror movie yeah, <laughs> in so many lying. ways. Yeah, <laughs> but lying. the bonding that has occurred in this time for me, I can speak for myself, has been really the the powerful silver lining of the whole thing. So, so thank you, Darren. Oh, absolutely. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you both. Yeah. Oh man. So, how long have you been doing Twitch? In my mind, you're like Mr. Twitch. Like when you look up Twitch in the dictionary, it's like your photo next to it. Like, um, <laughs> um, yeah. How long have you so. been in the game now? I mean, how long has uh, Twitch been around? Even I Twitch has been around. Well, up, it, was, it was just in TV. Uh, I think about ten or eleven years ago, and then Amazon bought mm-hmm. it and rebranded it to Twitch. Oh. Uh, Twitch, Twitch became pretty famous among the gaming community um, right before Amazon bought it, which is why they bought it, uh, and. You could link your profile to like certain uh, game consoles like the PS4 and stuff like that. 
uh, and just kind of live cast. Like when the, when the PS4 had live casting for games, you could just do that, and people would just sit, sit there and watch you play games. Someone or a few people had the very bright idea to say, hey, you know, let's put our camera, let's like have our PS4 cameras or our 360 cameras or whatever it was. Um, let's have it as part of the part of the experience so people can see us and watch us play and watch like you know our interactions. And it just kind of expanded and blew up from there. And now you know it went well past gaming to music and and art and cooking and talk shows and podcasts. You know, I mean, uh, just last night we had a, a live podcast. You know, where Gianni was a part of, uh, and we had a lot of fun. We had so much fun doing that and being being able to bring a live performance, a live podcasting performance to an audience. And, you know, and most podcasts you do, you know, there's editing involved, you know, and you, there, there's, you know, a little bit of trial and error, there's retakes, but when you're doing everything live, it's like, you know, you, you're in the moment. And yeah. And when I saw that platform, like, you know, I said, if I had some time, if I just had time, this is basically like doing live TV. I started my Twitch journey six months ago, just, just a little over six months ago, maybe like six months and two weeks. And I remember I was watching a couple streamers and I said, like, man, this is a really competitive atmosphere. There's like over like two or three million people at the time. And now it's like 5.8 million plus. Um, and I was like, there's so many people streaming. And it's like they're all competing for like, you know, it's like trying to compete for your dad's attention. If your dad had about a million kids, you know, it's very it's very hard <laughs> to focus on yeah. what one of them is doing when. The other 900,000 are all trying to do the same thing or like little like, you know, one is in the kitchen cooking bacon and eggs. And when that one's cooking bacon and eggs, the other another like 400 are also trying to cook bacon and eggs. And you've got a thousand over here that are trying to make pancakes. So it's kind of hard to, like, you know, divvy out your time. So I said it'd be great if instead of instead of it being dad is looking for every individual child, why don't we just put all the children on screen all at once and make it like this big collaborative thing? Because, you know, we're all going to do it slightly differently. We're all going to put our own touch in it. We're all going to put our own spin on it. And it's it's been a it's been the test of time. People love watching TV. They love watching, you know, actors portray a personality. They love they love live or reality TV where they see somebody like in their element. And it's fun because you get to kind of like watch them emote and you get to watch them, you know, uh, respond, you know, in the moment. It, it may or may not feel rehearsed depending on how good the actor is or depending on how good the show is. But when it's live, everything is 100% legit. Like, right. It just has that, that yeah. rawness in your face. Yeah. I know. I remember the first time I tuned into your um, one of your shows. I think it was one of the Friday night one. And Johnny was on. This was probably earlier in the summer in the quarantine. But uh, I said, oh, my God, I, I thought I, I thought I had flipped on. You know, you just said, like, TV. I, I felt like I was watching the game show network or something. It was. Just, yeah, it was that the interactivity. And then, you know, what's so great about Twitch is you get the feed on the right where it's a chat room. So on the stream. Oh, yeah. And you get that complete interactivity. And I remember you took the time because I was, of course, ramming in some comments and trying to, you know, get my jokes in, uh, obviously supporting Johnny. And he was talking about you and you guys were kind of, you know, hit, hitting it off. And Johnny's like, it's all about, you know, building allies. And I really just, you know, there's so many cool people out there I want to work with. And like we said, the rising tide. And you took the time, dad's first time, took the time to read all the quotes, all the comments, and uh, and then still run the show. And I was I was so blown away and humbled by the whole thing. And then not not long after, uh, 
we were working together and we were doing stuff together. And uh, in August, we did was definitely one of the major highlights of my summer, if not my year, was uh, doing the presidential debates with you and oh, Gianni. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> and you do uh, you do an incredible Barack Obama, which is that's a funny story too. How I even stumbled upon that. So on on one of my streams. <laughs> so yeah, I want to hear it. The one thing I okay, the one thing I'll always say is that I I wanted to be known as the most interactive, or when you're watching. You're watching the most interactive stream on all of Twitch, whether it's me, whether it's me and like 25 other people. If you're not interacting via channel points or activating things to happen on screen, you're interacting because you have to participate in polls. You ask questions. We're answering your questions live. Like you're part of like the audience is technically the show. I'm a proxy or I'm the host, but the audience is the show. And then I have a bunch of key players or keynote players that, you know, kind of interact with what the, what, what the audience is, is looking for. So I had these uh, challenges that when it wasn't me and a guest star, it was just me. And it would be like, mod my voice. Now, now I've learned that I've got to have specifics. Like people like, here's, here's a set list of right, the voices options. or the modulations I can do. But back then, people were doing like the weirdest thing. Like we want to hear Chipmunk Macho Man. And you know, we want to hear Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> doing an impersonation of Sylvester Stallone, which I don't know how you would do that. But someone <laughs> said, do Bill Cosby. And I was like, I don't want to do Bill Cosby. Because obviously for, you know, yeah. whatever, you know, for current events or right. not so current events, considering that 2020 isn't a longstanding everyday current event. Um, True. But, well but they said. said they said do Bill Cosby. And I was like, I'm going to try to do somebody else from the Cosby show. And I forgot. I think I, who was I trying to do? I was trying to do someone else from the Cosby show. And when I was doing the voice, it kind of sounded like Barack Obama. Right. And so I was like, stumbled into it. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. There's something here. And then I was recording a YouTube video right after like the, the same night um, for, for the discord, like it's exclusive just for the discord for help for like, well, assistance and help. And <laughs> for some reason, the, the audio kept cutting in and out when I played it back. I was like, my God, this sounds like Obama. It sounds like my audio. So like I would talk and the audio would kind of, Cut in like this, right? And then I was like, the voice there he I is. did, the there voice he is. I did, the voice I did. What I was trying to do it, I was, you know, it, it started to come out a little more uh, uh, subtle, and uh, from here it just became like uh, Obama. And I've never tried to do a Barack <laughs> Obama impersonation until I hit Twitch, and it just became like this thing. Now I have. Wow, I thought that was one of your like regular no, like, no. old hats you just had in your closet. No, in the moment, the moment everybody was like, "Man, that sounds just like Obama," I had to like immediately make. A subscriber-only channel point where you could stop the gameplay or stop the show, right? And you can summon an Obama press conference, and it's myself <laughs> behind a podium. Um, and I have this thing where if you type in hashtag hand raise, it'll be like hands raising on screen with like you know like a bunch of people mumbling like oh, Obama like that kind of thing. And you can ask me a question, and I'll try to answer it live <laughs> while that whole press conference is going. It's only about two minutes, but you know two minutes runs by really quickly, so. Trying to trying to run through that. That's uh, a very and, short and period of time. Yeah, yeah, it's a very short period of time. But you know, it's every time somebody summons it, it's always it always catches me off guard too. Always. Right. But that's that's how Obama came to be, and wow. then when I was the way Gianni stumbled upon me, I was doing a charity, a twelve hour charity stream, and he's like, "This is awesome. This is what I want to see." Blah blah blah. And we kind of clicked from there, and I did a. I did a stream review for his channel and I, you know, helped him out uh, in terms of branding. And, you know, obviously he's been growing, you know, he's actually doubled since then, like his numbers and his engagement. 
Um, oh, yeah. And then I was like, I'd, I'd love to have him on a show. So I put him on a, the summer streamer party, which I don't think you've seen. But he he was a part of a, a summer streamer party. It was two teams of four people. And he was on one team. And it was like improv comedy. And they had to do like Brawlhalla tournaments. They had to do a bunch of things with a with a set winner. So I, part of I that think show. I did see that, actually. It was oh, really, it was like 20 some people, right? Or, or yeah, it, like, it, it, it was, it was crazy. It, it was a good amount. But you know, it was like, it was the first time I had a huge event. And it was so well run. And I was like, man, Johnny was like the breakout star. Like he just like commanded the screen. So it's like, we got to do a challenge together. We did Star Wars, and yeah. somebody, somebody said, "Hey, uh, here's a here's a mod or here's a pirate challenge. Do Trump versus Obama because he does a Trump impersonation." And I didn't know, and I was like, "Huh, this is something." Yeah, I heard him do his Trump, and then obviously, you know, the Obama and me came out, and we just we just riffed on each other back and forth. For about five minutes oh yeah and then it was game over i mean it was like oh, yeah. that was that was a sight to be you know seen and heard and yeah and then i was like man i really i would love to uh you know we have the it's funny i kept saying it was the presidential debates and that's a little confusing because you think it's going to be trump and biden because of the upcoming right. election but um it's like no 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 it's nothing to do with real politics don't worry about that but I really want to do a show where it's dad's first time as Obama and Gianni Decrata as Trump. And I got to host and it was just a couple of months ago. And um, it was really a, a real joy. I mean, it, I really felt like I was on Saturday Night Live. So those I, I really questions did. were fantastic. <laughs> so Thank you so, so much. So for the audience, we had no clue what these questions were right. going to be. And, you know, and I remember thinking like, man, eh, maybe, maybe Johnny might have like a little leg up because he might know some of them, but he's like, nope, I don't know anything that's going to be asked. And having to answer those questions in the moment, you know, like that brought out a lot of like improv and both of us. And we were just like, the three of us just clicked. Like it was so quick on the draw. There was no stumbling or stuttering. I know whatsoever. You know? I know and we just, were like, Oh, can we keep this up for a while? And we ended up like kind of lapping ourselves and, yeah, you know, being able to be in it for so long, and we were wondering, like, will people be interested? And he just, just so you know, um, someone that I, that I've never watched like their stream or whatever, and they're part of another Discord community, went in a went in a specific Discord, not even my own, went in a specific Discord and said, for some reason, I happened to see a streamer that says Dad's first time, and it says Trump versus Obama, and he said, why is this showing up in my feed? I hate politics. I'm gonna go check out and see what this nonsense is. And he said, and I stayed the entire show because it was the funniest thing that I have seen on Twitch. You guys need to check out that VOD. And Oh, wow. And it was a testament to your question. Had, had your questions been cookie cutter and there was nothing funny we could answer? Like, if there were, like, this yes or no questions, it would not have been that good. Your questions, was what, that's what made the show. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, you guys, you guys were so fantastic. And obviously, the improv ability. Because, yeah, we wanted to come up with questions. And the whole idea was, okay, if Trump and Obama... We're having a, a debate, but instead of it being about politics, it's about video games. And then we have them having to play games together. Um, what is it? Fallout guys. It was Fall Guys, yeah. Fall Fall Guys. Well, fall, we did, yeah, we did Fallout. Fall that's guy. a different game. <laughs> <laughs> that sounded like something your mom would say. Like Fallout guys, what game do you want for Christmas? If Fallout, um, if Fallout and Fall Guys made a game together, I would buy that in a heartbeat. That would be awesome. <laughs> be great, yeah. Especially because it's an elimination style game too. Oh, forget it. Oh my goodness. Well, let's let's talk about for, that later. For Sideboard. all the bottle caps. <laughs> yes. So I wanted to have Trump and Obama playing games and talking about games and asking questions that are about like how their stance, right, their stance on things, but tie that into video games. 
And uh, I had I did have some help from some friends because um, I, I did. Well, I was like, all right, I really want to make sure these are, you know, good questions and that they generate a lot. I wanted to, you know, you guys were, were in the trenches doing the impersonations and um, I got to kind of play the straight man, which was a real joy, actually, especially with you guys on the other end. Uh, so I wanted to make sure my questions were topic generating and, and really get the conversations going. And yeah, and it, it just, oh my goodness. I mean, people were talking about it. They're still talking about it. And yeah. I'm running into people on other people's streams that saw it and they were like, oh, you were the, you were the host. Wow. That was, that was incredible. So I, I felt like we actually like put together like a, that was a gold. pay-per-view event that was gold, of the yeah. summer without paying just per view, <laughs> no, no pay-per-view. Um, so I really don't know much of your actual like general story. I mean, to, to from my eyes and ears, you, you're, you're a performer, you're a natural host, you know your stuff, you're a gamer. At what point did you set out to kind of go into the arts or is that more through Twitch lately that you kind of are able to scratch that itch or, so, you know, oh, what did you go is, to school for? You know, everything. Yeah. I, I feel like I don't know any of the, the answers to these questions. Well, I, I'm, I'm going to be a paradox to you because I went to school for computer science and programming and, uh, yeah, and networking. Yeah, you're already, you're already surprising me. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I ended up doing, like, I ended up teaching myself graphic design because they didn't have the program. They had HTML in my college, which is St. John. I went to St. John's University, one of the big four. And um, they didn't have that program. So the funny thing is when I, when I took the HTML, you know, programming class, the teacher there was like, hey, would you like to be the, the TA? teacher's assistant and i was like why and he goes because i know nothing about this they just threw me in here i you know I, I don't teach this so i ended up helping teach half the class and grade half the papers and through that time because you know i was i was able to get a pass on some grades because I, I couldn't do the work because i was too busy grading other people's work um i got i got a chance to really like teach myself graphic design which i did i started to do it in high school you know i like dabbled in it but that's when like the internet was just a thing back in like 1997 so there was no real big programs out then right um, yeah, you and I, uh, not to kind of blow your cover, but you and I are, yeah. are the same age. Same age, yeah. We were both born in 84, right? Oh, yeah. It's the best year. Great year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You have no Mostly because you and I came out of that year, so. Not even. WrestleMania was the year after, but, but you know, that's when the WWF became a big thing with 1984. Some of the best music came out of 1984. Oh, yeah. Music, uh, movies. I've been, I've been so in the Wonder 80s. Woman. Is going to be 19, Wonder Woman 1984. Why did oh, they choose yeah. that year? Why did they choose that year? Because it was the best year of the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so yeah, like you said, there was that period. And I remember, you know, we were like the first generation to be like, this is the internet. And I remember even the teachers were like, this is the World Wide Web or Information oh, yeah. Superhighway. <laughs> and like explaining oh, it. Hypertext markup language was the first time I ever heard of HTML, but they weren't calling it HTML back then. They were saying the whole thing. Yeah, out. they were saying the the entire thing. You have to learn hypertext markup language, and I was like, <laughs> and that's the whole lecture because it took the whole lecture to say hypertext markup. Oh, language, oh yeah, so. just trying to memorize that. So anyway, fast forward. I worked for a lot of retail companies, and you were you were real quick. You were born in New York, New York City. I was yeah, I, I was born in Brooklyn. You're born in Brooklyn, okay, and born you're in still Brooklyn, there. New York. Res, you reside there I'm, now. I'm in Brooklyn, yeah, but I mean, I've bounced around a little bit. Like I, you know, did some stints in West Virginia and California and whatnot. Um, but for the most part, New York city, okay. I, know I, I know I sound like I come right out of New York too. Right. Absolutely. I sound like a, sound like your average New Yorker. I wouldn't say there's anything yeah, average was, about you, sir. That, that was a joke. I, I, I think most people are like from New York, you don't, you don't sound like you're from New York whatsoever. Um, but 
fast forward, I worked for a couple of the retail companies and then a couple of people, like I started doing uh, print and design for a bit. And then people realized that I was, I had a really, I had a really good um, eye for, for design. So I started working with like Vera Wang and Crane and company and, you know, William Arthur, all these big paper companies that would do like custom printing designs. Um, and I would do like huge wedding invitations. Like, I don't know if anybody's ever seen say yes to the dress, the original show. But Randy from Say Yes to the Dress got all of his original designs for his stationery for me. I helped him design it. I, you know, oh wow, the, yeah, oh, I found the producers. Never, yeah, it, Kleinfeld's the wedding store was right around the corner from the place I worked. But literally, when I say around the corner, we were on one side of the corner, and they were right behind the store on the other side of the corner. So we oh, always wow. saw each other. As a matter of fact, our uh, our stock rooms would intertwine. So if he came out of his and I came out of mine, he'd be like, "Hey, Randy, hey, Darren, how you doing?" You know that kind. Of, well, he didn't sound like that, but that's how kind of how it would be. Um, then, uh, fast forward some more, I started, I was working for Staples, uh, in their print and marketing department. And one year, I think that, that they realized that print marketing was like the real moneymaker. So they put me in that department and I blew away their, their, I blew away their numbers. Like I did the most money in a year that they've seen from any of the, uh, any of the locations that they had around, basically around the globe. And they're like, we got to do something with this because... You know, they, we, we, we need to do like something special. And they wanted us to send like a little thank you video to our regional vice president to say, hey, thanks for all the support. And I was like, if I'm going to do that, we're going to make this like we're, we're going to do this right. It's got to be edited well and everything. So that little video all of a sudden exploded into what I always coin like the Super Bowl or WrestleMania event for Staples every year was their like copy and print slash print marketing once a year event for all the stores um, nationally that hit a certain goal would get, would go to New York and we would either rent out a place or we'd use like the basement of one of our largest locations and it would be this big event. And every year they would come to me, all the heads from corporate and from, from the New York city division would go, Darren, what's the theme this year? Wow. So what I would have to do is I would have to design the entire, like the entire basement from what the walls look like from the experience coming down the staircase to the sounds, the PowerPoint presentations I still had to do my own personal video and then my videos became like the spectacle. Like people were looking forward to what video I put together with my team. Uh, and that became a big thing. Like we had like wizard of Oz as a theme. We had a speakeasy as a theme or like you the upstairs with staples, you come downstairs, like you're literally in a speakeasy from the oh, music man, to the way so people cool. dress. Yeah. So we went, well, you know, I was like, we need to go all out and make this a big thing. Um, then after that, you know, I started, uh, I just, I just kept on designing like, you know, for other companies that I worked for, you know, while I was at Staples, I was working with all these humongous companies like the Gap and Whole Foods and, uh, you know, Sephora, like all these big brands that asked me to do designs for them or edit designs for them. Brooks Brothers even asked me to do a couple designs for a couple of their lines. So it just became this thing. But the, like, I realized my passion was always film. And part of the reason why is whenever I'd watch movies, I'd buy DVDs, not for the movie. Or I'd buy Blu-rays not for the movie, for the director's commentary and for the like the, the actor's cut. Like when they're talking about, oh, yeah, you know, this scene it was really tough oh, to yeah. do. We had to do like at least 15 takes in the blazing sun. and you Right. Know, you we, get you get the real inside scoop. Right. And, and that's the magic to me. It, it's not like what I see is the final product. I know there's a lot of magic that goes into it, but I need to know the magic like itself. Like you got to break down those tricks to me. So I'd listen to yeah. it and then I started watching more movies and that's when I started having an eye for pretty much like, okay, I bet you I can replicate that trick without having to use like a $4 million budget. I bet you I could do exactly that, you know, in terms of, 
like a special effect without having a multi-billion dollar budget or without needing like 10 green screens to do it. And Twitch for me is my live version of that, of like a TV show or movie spectacle or whatever, because the things I can figure out to do on Twitch, I think most people like, like this is, this is almost like watching a major motion picture or like a, like a, a really well-produced TV show. Yeah. Like I was saying when I, when I first tuned into your show, it was like, I felt like I just, I was like, did I, am I watching TV right now? I I thought I was on the web, but I felt like all of a sudden I'm on a game show and your ability in the contestants, you know, and you can just feel the production. And it's, I'm so glad you told that story about the Staples yeah, uh, events yeah. because you really are like an event guy, you know? Oh yeah. Um, some of those, some of those videos are also on YouTube. I got to send you one so you can kind of see uh, what I'm oh, talking please. about. Yeah. Yeah. One of them was actually an entire video game that was created, um, starring, <laughs> starring character, starring myself and some other characters too. Um, cool. Oh my God. Gosh, I can't wait to see it. But it, it was, you know, for me, for Twitch, it was like, I've, people are going to be tired of watching everyone play video games. They, they see their, they see like the, the most famous people play it. Celebrities are playing video games now. It's like, okay, well, where's the room for, you know, the guy living in Wisconsin that's got four kids and just got furloughed because of the pandemic and is still trying <laughs> right. to provide for his family. Like, where's the room for that person? Mm-hmm. And charities to me, I was like, charities are great. You know, but charities like this, it just goes in the ether once the money is donated. I don't see where it goes, but if I can directly impact somebody's life. So yeah. on those game shows, whether you win, lose or draw, you win half of any income that comes in. That, that's for just for being there. So like, you know, if anybody is like they're sending money in or they love and they're sending support, like I'm giving you half just because they're showing that love because you're a great contestant. Um, and this is my way of saying thank you. Thank you for 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 being here and trying this out on Twitch and, you know, and for committing really, like, to it, the follow through right. and loving you know, it. Like, so, you know, that, that idea, that idea kind of morphed on its own too. Like originally I wasn't planning on being a game show host. I was planning on maybe doing tournaments, but it just, it just so happened that I ended up doing a challenge one day with my brother and it was one of the funniest episodes. You can actually see the highlights of that on YouTube as well. And I said, this is great. I got to do this over and over and over and over and over. And that's, that's just how that, that came to be. That's so cool. So just to clarify your name again, it is Dad's first time, and that's with a one on the on the first. So D A D S, one S T, T I M E, and that's like you said, YouTube. Uh, it's a great name. It communicates that you are indeed a dad, and I like how you're you're like you said you're championing the everyman in a way, right? Oh, yeah, every man and every every woman, you know. We, every man, we, every woman. Yeah, when I say man, I mean. Oh gender, yeah, of course. Yeah, side, you know. Of course. No, um, but yeah. Um, at what point did you just say, "All right, I want to make kind of, I want to use the the dad personality as my handle"? Was that right away, or did you kind of that kind of oh, gel later? It, it was right away. My original Twitch handle was my PSN name, um, and when I said, "If I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this with an entire brand," and I was like, "You know, there are lots of dads and moms on Twitch, but I, I feel like it's not celebrated enough. It's like a blurb." Like, hey, fellow gamer and, and anime nerd and dad of four or mom of two. And, you know, it was just like a little blurb they threw out there. And I was like, why aren't you guys celebrating this? Like, people need to know we yeah. are the gaming generation. Like, they, we are the ones that made gaming what it is because we ended up spending all the quarters and buying all the consoles and playing all the games. <laughs> all the quarters. Going to our friends' houses and stuff like that. that was us. Before we could do multiplayer, it was couch co-op. We had to go somewhere to someone's house to play something. You know, and then... Yep. So I, I, yeah, I was like, we this this needs to be a thing, and I was like, you know, well, this would be my first time ever trying to do something like a live show. So 
I'm a dad, and since this is my first time, and dad's first time just made sense. And in my branding, I, I remember thinking like, well, it's going to be dad's first time playing games because dad has no time to play games. So every time I pop <laughs> in the game, it's like, all right, what is this about? So if you, like, if you go to the channel, I hate tutorials. <laughs> I will burn through a tutorial so fast and be lost for the rest of the stream trying to figure out a game. And that's the fun part of it. It's like me going, what the hell am I supposed to go? You know? And then I have like a no patience dads. Cause we all know as fathers, like, you know, sometimes we just have no patience for things. Yeah. Where I just like throw my hands up in the air and I was like, nobody, need, I don't need a map. Don't tell me. I think I'll just let me go where I want to go. That's right. That's it, right. You know, like the classic bit in the car and like the wife wants to stop and ask for directions. But the man exactly. like, like no. you know, if, if I turn left and went to a door, that's got nothing. Then that's what I meant to do. That's, that's, <laughs> that's part of my plan. Yeah, there we go. Like, you know, that's, sometimes I want to see how beautiful the, the graphics look. That just let, just let me be. Um, <laughs> That's so hilarious. Yeah, like, so that's I, I great. Wanna, I actually hadn't heard the uh, hadn't heard the origin story of your handle, so that's really exciting. Yeah, I don't th- I don't think a lot of people. I don't think I've ever really like told people why. But the original concept of the show too was hilarious. So you want to know how the fireplace came to be? Oh yeah. So I'm so glad you brought the fireplace because the first time I saw you on uh, via Twitch, I was like, "There's this handsome guy and a jet. It was like a blazer, and he's sitting in front of this like roaring, roaring, crackling fire." And I literally was like, it's the middle of summer in New York. <laughs> this guy is really devoted. He must be sweating so hard right now. But I was like, maybe it's fake, but I really couldn't tell. Yeah, I was, I was also because I added a yellow, like I added like a yellow glare to my camera. So it made it look like the fire was kind of like also um, glowing in my skin. You were blending it well and doing the yeah. layering. Wow, look and, at and you. Ev- You're like and eventually, artist. once I told everybody, I was like, no, it's a green screen. That's part of the fun. So I took off that that um, I took off that that extra layer of glow, and now you can see what I actually look like without a, a yellow hue on my face. <laughs> yeah. um, so the original concept was I was going to be, you know how, you, know, you ever seen like Masterpiece Theater? Oh, yeah. The right? guy, yeah, the guy with the chair. And, uh, yeah, you know, right? I, I mostly saw it on Sesame Street, and it was Disaster Beast Theater, and I think it was Cookie Monster with the pipe. Yeah, you know, it's pretty much pretty much the same thing. Just not as is nowhere. It was nowhere near as funny as that or fun masterpiece theater. But it was like, or like you know, like Ron Swanson, aka. Uh, well, I don't know if you've seen Parks and Rec. Oh yeah, I know. I know um, all about the, right. the Swanson. Right. So so when Nick Offerman, he's got like this uh, like this YouTube video for Christmas where it's just him sitting in front of a fireplace for like ten hours, and it's just a loop. But it's him on a nice chair in front of a fireplace with like brandy in his hand. He's just like nodding his head ever so slightly every so often. And I was like, that's the image that I would like to have because that's what people think dads are for my generation. Doesn't matter how old you are. If they hear father, they're they thinking. They instantly conjure images right. of leather chairs and, and crackling right. and, fires and, and crackling brandy. fireplaces. Like that's, that's that we're the last brand or like we're the last generation that can have like a house with the fireplace and blah, 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 blah. Because now it's all like apartment complexes and smaller living spaces and yada, yada, yada. Right. Um, Grew up so, with a fireplace in, in Wilmington, Delaware, Johnny and I's. Still there. My parents still own it. And it's funny. I go back there now after living in L.A. and, you know, for the holidays and stuff. And I'm like, this house is just cavernously large. Like, right. You know, so. and I, I didn't want people to know, like, I was in a New York City two bedroom apartment. So right. I was like, I got to make the space look bigger. Masterpiece Theater, Ron Swanson, a.k.a. Nick Offerman. That's what a man that's like. That's like the manly man, but also very comedic. And he's very, like, approachable. So the original idea. Right. It, and I, I well, you nailed it. This you vibe. nailed it. It was. Like the the show would start and I would like turn around in my chair and look at the camera and be like, hello and welcome <laughs> to another edition of dad's first time. You know, like I would be giving you dad advice, like right there on the spot. Dad advice. 
you know, but then, but then you realize like, you know, it's as I, as I was doing that, like in the moment, in the first very episode, in the moment, I did that shtick once and I was like, nah, that's not, that's not how I would intro myself ever. Like I would never like wheel around in the chair with that voice. Right. Um, but that was like my concept for weeks when I did my planning. I was like, this is how it's going to look. People are going to think this is great. They're never going to see a fireplace ever again on Twitch. And, you know, it's going to be a thing. But I kept the fireplace because that's what I had in my first episode. I can change that background to whatever. I can be in space if I want to be in space. But the fireplace, for some reason, solidified the dad part of dad's first time. And I, I, I can't I, I don't want to get rid of it. It's perfect. Yeah, no, it's it's so iconic. And uh it's true. I, I don't think I've seen another fireplace on Twitch. Not that I'm as voracious with the consumption. <laughs> not that I'm as, actively looking for fireplaces. I'm not actively Twitch, hunting, you know? but I haven't encountered any other fireplaces besides yours. But I, I do got to say that, yes, very dad-like, but it gives it this kind of intimate kind yes. kindness to it, I suppose. Yes. Yeah, like it's like you're talking to your dad, you know, like that's that moment. Yeah, that real yeah. Moment. And, it's and very, that, it's very yeah. warm, literally and figuratively. And yeah, it just feels very. That's the feel I was going for. I wanted get, people that would you're, you're huddling in. in with your friends and your your yeah. co-patriots and your you know. Even if it even if it's summer outside, when you talk to dad, it is it is winter. If you have an issue, it's winter. It's cold, and you need to cuddle up close by his chair by the fireplace and listen to a story that dad has to tell. You're like taking respite from the elements. Yes, you know and that that's that's it. You know, if dad has to go out and chop firewood, he's going to chop firewood and throw it right in that fireplace. So yeah. that's, that was the feel that I wanted to go for. And, and that, that keeps me grounded and keeps the idea that I am a dad. So when people jump in, they're not like, oh, it's a gamer who has kids. They go, oh, that's, that's definitely a dad. Right. I love that. That's great. You're the father of? Two boys. Two boys. How old are they now, Darren? Four and five. Four and five. Wow. Yeah. Man, hats off to uh, parents in general, but especially double hats off for what a year to have a four and a five-year-old right now kind of oh, yeah. starting to come into their own and i'm sure they're starting to ask questions they already know all about the virus they're like they when can we go to the library it. again when the virus is over oh is the virus over yet no okay well then there's your answer <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah oh man as if you know being a kid wasn't kind of tough enough and right weird enough and i got this i know i heard my my niece johnny's oldest uh, daughter Francesca asking me when, why I hadn't come home in a long time because it's been since the holidays, you know, it's almost a year now. And uh, I said, uh, well, it's because of the and before I could finish my sentence, my mom, you know, is always talking off off phone and the hang, you know, hovering. And she was like, <laughs> it's because of the pandemic. And then hearing my not even five year old uh, niece say pandemic. And like, I was just like, oh, my heart kind of broke, but it was also hilarious. That's cute. That's oh cute. my goodness! Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, super hats off uh, for 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 being a dad, and uh, you're you're a good one. I know they're gonna they're gonna turn out just great. I'm sure they got the fireplace. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Every time they see it too, uh, the first time they saw it, they turned around and they were like, "What is that?" Like they were they saw the camera, and in, the, in like on the screen they see a fireplace. They see themselves. And they see a fireplace, and they turn around and go, "What is that? Where is that coming from?" I was like, "Oh, it's you know, it's special effect." But you know them, like they wanted to like walk into the screen to see, like, "Wait, am I touching the fireplace now?" Like that kind of thing. It's magic to them. Yeah, like to them, it was like looking. It was like you're looking at real life, and then you turn around, and then all of a sudden, there's a North Pole behind you. So it's like, how did you do that kind of thing? 
And I, I, to me, I'm an old guy. Well, not an old guy, but you know, I'm older. So my brain, it makes sense. But to a kid, it's like, that is like magic. Yeah. You can see the wheels turning like, what? Oh yeah. Yeah. That's super cool. Oh man. So you're pretty new to Twitch then. I'm very new to Twitch. Yeah. Maybe um, I was but, projecting the dad thing that you've just, you're like the forefather of literally well, that's, of well, Twitch. That's the idea. You know, when it comes to branding, uh, you want people like, when they see you, you want them to automatically assume that you you've are, been around years yeah, and... you know, that you have a good tenure. Um, you've got experience, you know, you want to exude that level of confidence, but also that level of, of approachability where people don't feel like you're like way too famous where it's like, let me just take some paparazzo pictures of him kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and I, and I wanted people to see that because I've done branding and I've, I've done design for so many years that it's, it's okay to add that level of, of professionalism to a Twitch stream just because it's about gaming or whatever. Like this is like, treat it like it's not necessarily your business, but treat it like it's your baby. And like what, what, whatever you'd want it to look like, if you had unlimited resources, I tell everybody this, if you had unlimited resources, throw every idea you have on the table. And then start fine-tuning the ones you know you can work with. Eventually, it, the trickle-down effect will happen. So if you go, I want to capture the moon, eventually you're going to grab some stars, the clouds, a little bit of sky, maybe some raindrops, you know, and then from there you'll, it, you'll be able to get yourself back down to Earth and be like, holy crap, I got a lot of stuff. I was going for the moon, but I collected everything else here. You know, and that's, that's the idea. It's like, you know, don't, don't just turn on your, your PlayStation and say, I'm a streamer, and you're still a gamer. If you're a streamer, like... You know, show, show people what you got. Show people that, you know, you, you, that there's more to you than just the game that you play. It should be about you, and it should be, shouldn't be about the game that you're playing. Yeah, yeah, because it's like you said, anybody can... And you've already seen Brad Pitt playing... Uh, exactly. You like, know, you know, Fortnite or whatever. It's like, all right, well, what do I got now? You know, I, it's like you got to tailor it to be you. And that's what's so great about it. It gives people that vehicle. And I've known about Twitch for a while, but it was really this year, and really a lot thanks to my brother Gianni... Decrata on Twitch. Um, be sure to follow um, and check us out Thursday night. <laughs> <laughs> please uh, do. 9 p.m. Eastern and 6 p.m. Please, Pacific. please do. Yes. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. That's a great show. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, I mean, I mean, really thanks to him to kind of waking me up to how, like you said, you can really tailor to you and make an experience where you're like bringing people into your 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 house, your living you know, room. Yeah. Yeah, kind of like the Mister Rogers, right? Like, yeah, Johnny, you know, you're you're going into this world. Um, he he epitomizes that. Like he he uh, he got it. I don't even think he knew he got it, but he got it right away. That is a personality that needs to be shown. That you can't just like stare at a screen and then say, "Oh, hey, how's it going? Welcome to the, welcome to the chat," kind of thing. It's like watching the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, not for the actors. Like you're watching it, going, "Man, that house is really nice. I I, I love that staircase." <laughs> like you know, it doesn't make any sense. Nobody's there for that experience. Yeah. If they could, if if I could. If I could flip to any channel, you know, if I could, if I could flip to any channel, if I was looking for nice houses during the nineties, I would just look at every single show that there was because every show had a really nice house, you know, full house and fresh Prince of Bel Air. And obviously, you know, the Cosby show, you know, like all those shows, um, step-by-step, everything had a really nice house. There would be no point in me watching the TV show. If I only cared about the house, I was watching it for the, for the the players and the actors and the family and all that stuff. That's a really good analogy. I love that. And he got like, the Krata Gianni, he got it. When I saw his stream, I was like, man, there's a magic here. Like nobody is doing a live podcast with gaming as gaming is not even necessarily the backdrop. It's like he does gaming to go. If you're not interested in what we're talking about, watch some gameplay. Yeah. 
but he's yeah, like, Johnny's such a such a yeah. great gamer, and he's so fun to watch him play games because he says, "Oh man, I'm so distracted with the game. I'm, I'm I can't I can't always keep up." He's very humble, but he, his ability to like play the game and podcast and you know just he's very good at multitasking um, and the passion, you know, it, the the love. You can really feel the love, and oh yeah, that's really what has. It's been like I said. I'll have to reiterate that's just been the silver lining in my year is being able to tap into so many great folks like yourself, and having that outlet in a time of isolation and distance and division where we can focus on just growing and being together. And honestly, I, I'm kind of grateful in a, in some ways the way things played out. I'm, I'm very sad for all the pain and misery out there and all that. Yeah. I don't want to say I'm happy for that, but. What I'm happy is is that we've been able to find each other and and grow together and learn and 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 laugh and and have what we have. I was gonna say I've made more friends in the past six months than I've probably made in the past like six years. So I know isn't that not that wild? Yeah, and a lot of it's through Twitch, right? Like it, not it, even all of it. <laughs> yeah, all of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll say ninety nine percent of it's through Twitch. Yeah, it's just given such a a conduit. To, to tap into what you're into and, and find like-minded folks and, and oh man, it's just been such a joy and I can't, I can't get over how people keep coming back, you know? Cause like destination programming, that's the mentality. That's my mentality. Programming. I yeah. love it. Yeah. Talk about like, that for a minute. Yeah. Like, so when we were growing up, TJF was a thing on TV. Everyone knew oh, Friday it. nights, family TV show. That was, or if you, if you came home from school, the Disney afternoon was also a thing. Like, you know, it, it, they're all destination programs or like a pay-per-view event. Like you said, that's a des- destination programming or Super Bowl or, you know, the World Cup or you know, all of those um, are destination programming. And the mentality I had was that I don't want to just be I don't want to I don't want to be a pit stop on your day where you feel like you have to stop in and say, oh, hey, and then drop out. Like right. I want to be a destination. I want you to plan your whole day going, okay, I'm going to be, I'm going to do A, B, C, D, and E and get it done by 8.30 PM. So I can then tune in for dad's first time this Friday, because I can't wait to see that show. Like that's, that's my mentality with every show I put together It's to give them something that they've never seen. And to them, it's like, I got to see this. It's like must see TV. There you go. Must see TV, NBC. Dum, dum, dum. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and people, they, they yeah like you said they they wrap their they wrap their night around it i i can't tell you that you know i had to miss a couple a couple shows um done pretty well over the last six months of making most of the thursdays but had a couple weeks and you know one time we straight up had to cancel like johnny was on a trip and we just decided you know take a vacay week and i can't tell you how many people reached out and were like oh man i really missed you guys you know thursday night like like you said it really you're right it's not just a pit stop like this is my this is my Thursday night lineup, baby. You yeah. know, so you feel lost when you don't know what to do when like the like, right. You know when you know when your show goes on hiatus during the summer, and they're not showing those reruns like that one Sunday, for instance, if you're a Bob's Burgers fan, and that one Sunday they're not showing Bob's Burgers. It's some like sixty minute special about something. You feel so empty and lost. Like, what do I do with my? What do I do with the next <laughs> half an hour to an hour now with my life? Should I, yeah. I start? I don't know. Maybe I'll do some dishes or I don't know. Start cleaning <laughs> something. Like you don't know what to do with yourself. I know. No, it's so true. It's like an anchor that you, like you said, you build your, your schedule around and yeah. Oh man. It's, uh, I, I guess I'm still like just so humbled and blown away by, by it, you know, the, the power of it. Um, and just how awesome people are and, and yeah, like let's get into the money for a second. I mean, you know, you said you wanted to, obviously that there's business potential here in Twitch and 
people uh, can give, they can cheer with bits, which are virtual coins. And it's fun because you get to see the the little bits, the, uh, the the diamond symbol rotating around. and Oh, yeah. Or you can make custom ones. I got, I got like a little cartoon animation that I drew and animated myself of zombies chasing me. Anytime somebody gifts subs, it's either me running after them with a gift box in my hand or it's them running after me because I just got like a follow or something. Like it's, it's fun to do stuff like that. Oh, man. Yeah, I know. Your creativity with the, the designs and stuff. I guess it makes sense. You come from that background. Um, here I am. Like you just... You just feel like a performer to me. You just feel like, yo, I was sort of did Juilliard and then, uh, you know, took I mean, some classes I, in hosting. And I, I, I have uh, done a couple of stage performances in, in, in high school. I was going to say, if you've done any school plays or. I have, yes. Like yes, I have. I have. Um, um, anything you want to mention? Uh, but yeah, I did, I did a couple of um, stage plays in high school. I went to. I went to an all-boys Catholic military high school, if that's not something. Oh, my goodness. Um, in, New- in New York City, of all things. Kudos too. to you, sir. Yeah. But, but you know, we, we used to put on, we used to team with, like, other, like, you know, um, all-girls schools and stuff and put on, like, these big performances. So it was, it was like, a, a big event because you had to really plan it well. Um, so I, I did some of those. Um, obviously, I've done directing and, and filming, like, on a much smaller level for the stuff I used to do for the companies and just for myself. And... I never thought of myself as an actor. I always thought of myself as like, I'm a really good producer and director and I can understand. I understand the importance of plot device. So if I can do anything to move the plot along that I felt like was a much more important role, like especially with something live, if people feel a little like stagnant and they don't know where to go next, I'm kind of that bridge to that gap to go like, you know, I can, I can give you a million segues to keep the kind of keep the ball rolling rolling and keep the attention on you, you know, and that's what I do for my guest stars. Like when they feel a little stumped, I'll provide that little bridge, they'll cross it, and then they get back into what, you know, what, what their normal routine was. Yeah, that's so cool. You're really fusing your your talents together. And yeah, I mean you really you know, when your your Twitch shows, you very much are the director, producer, but also the host anchor and um yeah, it's it's cool watching you do your thing, man. So it's, I wish, it's I wish people knew that they were all like technically directors and producers when they have their own Twitch channel. Like if, if people understood that, if people understood that this is this is what they could do, I think they would have a different outlook on on how they approach their Twitch channel. Yeah, are you encountering some kind of stereotypes for Twitch? Like, oh, it's just for gamers, like you were saying earlier, and like, all the time. Yeah, all the time. Yeah, it's like, oh, you mean that? You mean that sh- that that uh, website for people playing video games? And I was like. Phew. If you had any, how many times I've had to tell somebody like, dude, I make my own games up on that show. And they were like, oh, like you, like, like you, you, uh, you design and program a game live. And I'm like, no, like there's an actual game show. It's a whole thing. Like come by and check it out. Yeah. It's hard to break that stigma. Like people just can't wrap their heads around it. Right. It's tough. And it's a growing medium. Um, I mean, I honestly, yes, you talked to me six, seven months ago, I would have been in the same boat. You know, I thought it was just a, a video game thing and Gianni was starting to dabble in it, you know, very casually over the last couple of years. And, um, I'd actually just gotten off a, a massive rocket league addiction and, uh, was like, <laughs> I made it. I'm uh one that he still has. Yeah. He is. I mean, I, th- I think it's a great game, but I just kind of saw the bottomless pitness in front of me and I was like, all right. And I, call, I realized that was duty like, for me. Yeah. Like, I don't call know. Of duty. Call of duty and Fortnite. Like that is like, huh. I can't, I can't do it. I don't know how people, my hat's off to people who can do it. I know. I don't have like a middle, a middle knob, middle switch. Like 
it's either full on just can't stop or I, I don't I don't touch it. That's yeah. kind of how I am with games. Um, and then I, I then I casually occasionally remember that I actually love video games. Uh, like I, you know, Last of Us Two just came out, and I was a big fan of the first one. And I have um, to finish that. I haven't. Oh, it's so good. It's such a I'm good such game. a dad. I've started. I don't know, probably a good fifty games, and I haven't finished any one of them because as what, what do dads do? They buy the game. They go, this is great, and then life hits them in the face, and they go, yeah. I'll get back to it at some point. But you put it all the way in the back burner because you're like, there's more important things you got to do. And, you know, and no, totally. then another game comes out, and you're like, I got to get that one next. I know, I know. If if I hadn't been so blown away by the original, and it wasn't such a kind of groundbreaking game for me, I probably wouldn't have even jumped into two. And, you know, I play one game a year maybe, you know? How'd you like two overall? Don't spoil it, but how'd you like two overall? Honestly, it it might be the best video game ever made. Huh. Like it it I thought it took what one did. Um yeah, I don't want to spoil anything. It's it's kinda hard, but its ability to show let me let me just say it this way. It's ability to showcase all angles of a scenario and and a concept and a and a and a topic and a debate and see all sides. Um, I think is one of the most ambitious and powerful things I've seen in any kind of medium. Um, I, again, don't want to give anything away, but you start the game feeling one way and you're very committed to your, your course. And by the end of the game, you are pretty much can see a bird's eye view of the whole, the whole kit and caboodle and all the folks therein and their stances and ideologies Interesting. And no one's right or wrong. It's just and for a video game to communicate that. I mean, not to mention it's I think a fair bit longer than one. I I want to say it's somewhere around thirty five hours, forty hours. I I'm really slow. I'm sure you could probably be a quicker than me, but um. I'm sure I can't. <laughs> I don't have that. <laughs> I, I used to be a very good gamer, and uh, that kind of fell by the wayside too. Like when you look when you become a dad, like your yeah. whole the I get whole it, world changes. Yeah, I like before kids. Probably like right before kids, I was gaming. I was playing games every Sunday. Like I had a routine. I'd get up, go to the gym, go to Target, get all my supplies for the week, all my healthy foods, go home, play some video games, do another workout, finish it off with some watching some old school wrestling because, you know, I'm an old school wrestling fan and go to sleep. That was my routine. Now, Sundays are totally different. Totally different. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're embracing that angle because there's plenty of just addicted gamers out there. Oh, yeah. So I love that you're embracing that angle. And, you know, I like that there's there's a spectrum of games that you could just kind of dabble in, right? You can just dip your toe in. and um, But I've seen your, your work ethic and your veracity towards you, you wanna hear another building fun tidbit and, and too? growing something. So I know when you're committed how you are. So you want to hear a fun little tidbit? Go ahead. My, my, my YouTube channel. Uh, if you go to my YouTube channel, my first couple videos are video game reviews. They're done like an old VHS 80s box set over like the entire like experience because like you're looking at an old VHS tape and it's if an 80s dad went forward in time to grab a video game to then go back in time and play the game. But it's done with a review of how much fun can I have in the smallest amount of time possible because <laughs> I am a dad. So I rate I, I was rating games. the pot, like I was rating popular games that people are still playing today, like Dead by Daylight. They're still playing that. I rated that game and I was like, how much fun can I have within I, your dad? I got three out. You got, you got three hours for the month, three hours this month to show me and wow me and see how much fun you can prove to me. This game is going to be right. for me to commit any extra time to it. And that's how I would do the review is I'd break it down by like, you know, 
how much enjoyment did I get in a short amount of time? Was it so cumbersome that I had to learn this, you know, this tutorial that took the entire three hours? And I'm like, all right, well, then that's it for me. <laughs> I can't play this anymore kind of thing. So first couple of videos I have are that, you know, so there's a fun that, that was the original idea of the YouTube channel, too. Now it's just uh, it's a separate concept. So when I get back into doing video game reviews, you know, when I can find some extra time, it'll be like the channel is broken up into all these different concepts of ideas that I had that I want to have come to fruition. You know, from the highlight reel to to I have like a parody dad vice video. It's like a parody, <laughs> non parody thing. Nice. Um, I so have, it was the YouTube the beginning that was like, oh, no, the, the YouTube, Genesis. The Genesis was Twitch. It was always it was always the live performance. And YouTube was always, it was always meant to, leave, meant to be, let me backlog content and let me, I, okay, here's the thing with me. I have a, like a gajillion ideas and I want to do all of them. And I know I'm smart enough to go, I can't do all of them in one place. So there's a place mm-hmm. and time for all of them. So my Instagram, that's like, that's one idea. That's like my dad memes and my dad jokes and dad logic and dad this. Like it's, it's the way I see gaming is the way i see the world and then i'll I'll sprinkle in some like kid moments like kid logic like how my children see the world my twitter was like dad brain all the things that i think about throughout the day as a father as a working father slash twitch streamer slash gamer like these are the things this is my thought process and then you can take part in like you know polls and surveys and like vote on things just just for fun the twitch stream was Twitch stream just kind of morphed into its own thing i don't i don't even want to get into that That, that's a lot (laughs) it's a lot to unpack in terms of check 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 him out folks yeah, it's incredible. But the, the YouTube channel, I was like, I want to do video game reviews, but I don't want to do them like they do them today. Like, I want to look like I want people to feel like they're popping in old VHS cassettes, but watching a brand new game going. This is this is an interesting take. Like somebody from the 80s is, is reviewing a 2020 game kind of so thing. Cool. Um, and then I wanted to do like highlight reels, but not like, you know, the normal I thought normal like Twitch, like take a look at my my gamer clips. It was more like take a look at this clip from a show that I did with another performer that had to go through all these challenges. Watch how much fun and how funny this is watching someone try to do something with an upside down controller with somebody trying <laughs> to do something blindfolded with somebody like. Right. You or you know, can't ha- say certain letters or whatever when yeah, you talk like, like, you know, and I, I felt like that's that's con- that's binge watchable content. Like I would wa- I would always want to watch that game show because. Especially if I get the chance to drop in my own challenge, like I, I've, I'm there. You know, that to me, that's what I thought it you know, uh, would be popular. And it was pretty damn popular early on. I, I did probably 20 full game shows, but then those game shows started morphing into more ideas. And I was like, I, you know, I have to have events throughout the month. So like, one Saturday a month is going to be a specific show. Another Saturday a specific show. Another Monday. So there's something for everybody. And once once again, destination programming. So if if this Saturday is not what you're looking for, come back for the Monday show because it's going to be totally different from the Saturday show. And this is probably something you're going to enjoy. You know, so I can like kind yeah, of yeah. It's like if this isn't in. your your speed or your brand, then change right. the and channel to the other one. And right, boom, it's like it's know. like TV. Like you know, Saturday you might have sports, but then on on Monday night you you might have uh, family entertainment. Or you might have a comedy show. You you never know. You know, but but at least right. it's a steady schedule every month where you can look forward to. I know the first Saturday is this. I yeah, know you're the last mapping Monday out the calendar this. really well. Yeah, and making it available for everybody. And oh, it's so cool. Oh man, doing that doing that debate with you guys was the best <laughs> oh my God. That, that that was one of my most fun episodes like i wish i can go back and do that over and over and over like that that was a breeze you know yeah, some shows so take a lot of some shows take a lot of work with you know commands and and when i say work not like bad work but like 
you got to be on your toes and you have to like really like pay attention to the tiny details to make sure it all clicks and works together. Yeah, I was going to say the detail work with all the, the technical yeah. stuff. You know, like some some of my what if episodes, I have like spotlights. So when someone has, has a specific question that's on my panel, I got to like drop a spotlight on them and time it and have a video package playing for them. But, you know, that that debate, it was just like, all right, sit in your chair, turn on your camera, play a game and talk to your friends. And that's all. It, that's how it felt. But you get to do a different voice while you're doing it. I mean, I, li- I like how you, you kind of you're cultivating this kind of sandbox. And like you said, it's all about the ideas, all about letting them breathe and using Twitch as a, an outlet for that. And yeah, I mean, it's inspiring stuff. And you've really you really inspired Gianni and I to, to push ourselves harder and work with you and uh, yeah, and have more engagement and as much entertainment that we can wring out of out of everything. And yeah, first people were like, oh, wait, so you're not playing the game. It's like, well, we played the game. But we also podcast over it. Yeah. It's like we're talking to each other. We have topics we go over. We talk to you in the chat. Oh, and there is a game in the background. So it's like you go to the doctor's office or the dentist's office and you're waiting in the waiting room and you're having a fun conversation. And then there's the TV. Every so often you look up at the TV to see what's going on. I love it. That's really well said. So cool. Wow. So, man, you're you and I started around the same time. Oh, yeah. That's wild. You've covered a lot of ground, sir, in a very short period. What got you into filmmaking? I need to know because you have some fantastic film and like you're. Uh, do you do all the edits yourself, or do you have like an entire team? Or, um, for for which project? It so depends you, on your um, YouTube videos. Like they are some of like, first of all, your ideas that you were able to put out there and the thought process behind them. Like I, the the stuff I've never seen, like, it's both hilarious, but at the same time. It's so well done and so well edited. I'm like, man, is he doing this all himself, or is it like just oh, him no. and one other person? No, no, I can't. I can't take credit right now. Um, the sketch channel No Brow on YouTube. I have uh, partners Neil Gershon, and so he and I work together. He's usually very much behind the camera, although he's very hilarious too. And we've also done um, radio play podcasts together. We did one called Danny's Pajamas, Private Private Dick, who's a he's a private eye in kind of the forties. I love, and, uh, I, I love noir. Just so yeah, you know, yeah, so. very noir. Oh, you should check it out. Yeah, I'll, I'll send absolutely. the links. Yeah, Danny's Pajamas, uh, Private Dick. And then uh, we started doing live action stuff together. And uh, my my dear old friend, Brian Strat, who also went to Miami at the same time I did. We were roommates uh, for three years in college. And now it's pretty cool. We live directly. I live directly above him. My unit, my apartment is directly above him. So it's like, it's like having a roommate, but having your own space. <laughs> and he is a professional editor. And the last few things he had a major hand in a lot. I have sat next to him and, and given him some ideas to give myself a little bit of credit, but the man is uh He's great. He's a beast. Yeah, he's, he's, great, a, he's a really good editor. And he's getting really good at the graphic stuff too. And yeah. And like you, he taught he taught himself a lot. I mean, I remember when we went to school, it was like you kind of had this expectation that they were gonna teach you all the tricks of the trade, and they taught you some, but you really had to be you really kind of had to want it and, and be hungry for it and, oh, and yeah. do a lot of your own, you know, yeah, they kind of guided the homework along. It's, it's tough. Like, um, when I, well, so for me, when I, whenever I have an idea, I never oh, guys so bad. I never settle on telling myself, well, I can't do that. And it's, you know, it's, it's like a catch 22 because you really push the envelope. So I, I don't know if you see my Twitter, my Twitter feed. I have, I'm doing a secret project. I'm basically putting myself in Mortal Kombat, and that's all I'm going to say. You just have to wait and see what the final product is going to be. But it's it's if you go on my Twitter, Dad's first time, right? The the pinned message there is like a four second sneak peek 
of me in the game. And I, I remember like thinking to myself, like, okay, this is a lot that like, who, who thinks of doing something like this? Like, no, the, the, it's not necessary. But then my other, like the, the bigger part of my brain goes, it is absolutely necessary. You do it because you do it. Like you just, just do it. Just go out and do it. You know, what's the worst yeah. that can happen? People look at it and go, I hate it, but you, you did it. And that's but the great part. No, yeah. seriously. I love that. I love that mentality. And you really, you got to look at it that way. And I like what you said about Twitch. Like I can do something that feels like a lot more money, but I can do it smartly and I can do it fun. And a little, a little goes a long way. A little bit of, a little bit of love goes a long way. And you know, when like the first time I, I saw your show and I was just like, man, it really just feels like a game show. I mean, I knew I was looking at Twitch, you know, in the in the back of my mind. I knew deep down it wasn't a game show game show, but it was a game show and you made it a game show yeah. and it was a game show. So it felt like it. It was funny. It was hilarious. The interactivity, the crowd interaction, the interaction with the guests, with the with the co-stars. Um, and yeah, it was just well orchestrated you can just feel it you know you can just feel it in your heart and your chest so <laughs> so yeah i i love that um you know when we started doing clone off which is one of the most recent um live action things i've done um also on channel no brow it started as a two-page thing and then it got more and more and more involved it was like okay there's going to be a clone there's going to be andy and there's going to be a clone of andy and then the andys are fighting to compete and the wife the wife's deciding, trying to decide which one's the real andy and which one's the clone? Hence, clone off. Are they, and uh, so my, I saw that. Are they both clones? Because at the end of that, I'm like, wait, did the clone win or they're both the... clones, baby? <laughs> See, I knew it. I knew it. I was like, they have to be both clones. Yeah, we we like we well, we just wanted to give like the typical like bad guys win ending. Um, even when you think they got it all figured out, it's one of those. It doesn't really make sense. It's a sketch. You don't know why they're on a roof. Why does the wife have a gun trained at both the clones? Uh, I, I filled in. I filled in all the gaps myself. Don't worry about that. <laughs> Great. Exactly. Yeah, got, That's I what I mean. Stories. So <laughs> yeah. we just did it, and we just did it, and we just went for it. Um, we're like, they're gonna have a dance off, and uh, you know, I, I think my buddy Neil saw me dancing one day. He was over here, and we were just he had I had YouTube on. I have the projector, and we're just hanging out. Had some music on. Had a music video on. I was just dancing. And I think that sparked the idea for Neil. And he was like, would you want to do a thing where it's you and you doing a dance off? Um, but then it kept snowballing. And we're like, what if we do this? And then Neil really did so much great work with the practical mask and the Terminator 2 element. At first, I thought it was just going to be a piece of tinfoil. We were going to shoot this in an hour. It's always like, it's always how it starts. We can do this right. in an hour. Yeah, we, can, we got 30 minutes tops and we're good. We're yeah, we're, we're totally then, good. You know, we're not dads yet, but. We like sometimes we're on dad time, you know, getting, you know how it is, getting the band together yeah, on a Saturday. We only got, you know, how much time do we really have? Yeah, Life gets my, in the way, blah, blah. But I got a, I got a pretzel and pretzel and soda appointment at five o'clock. So <laughs> exactly. So, but then it was like, oh, what if we do this? And then Brian stepped in. He's like, oh, we could green screen this and then we could do this with CG and then we could do practical. And then, oh, and then what if, what if you spray this? android blood out like an alien you know but it's soylent which is a soy drink and he brought it to set that day and then we were doing fake blood in my mouth spraying that out then we were pouring the soylent in my mouth spraying that out and next thing you know it was just this is how this is how creative process works just started snowballing and people yeah the commitment and getting everybody on board and they were like all all in and that's what it takes and that's exactly what you're talking about like how do you do that it's like i don't even know i sat there i watched that kid edit for Hundreds of hours, but it's still magic, but it, it's yeah. just, it's not magic. It's one thing at a time. It's like you're saying when your kid's watching the green screen, like it's an effect. 
But you do that, and then you, you add another touch, and then you have the fireplace, and then you add the blazer, and then you add this. And then next thing you know, it's it's all there, you know, and it's it's something. It's a template that is powerful and has a foundation for everything that you do. And so just surround yourself with people that think like that, Darren, that don't say, oh, we can't do this, or gosh, we only have this much money. And this might be a great transition point into the film. Yeah. Talk, talk about somebody who was told you couldn't do something. Or he wasn't allowed to do stuff. Yeah. Twitch has such sights to show you. I'm really proud of that title. <laughs> Shall we watch the 1987 horror classic from Clive Barker? I think we should. Hellraiser. Darren Emanuel a.k.a. Dad's First Time, and myself have just watched the 1987 gothic horror Hellraiser. Whew. You know, this movie, man. First things first, I want to ask why this movie? Because we talked about, all right, full transparency. Usually I give the guests like complete 100% choice, but Halloween was creeping up. We were talking about horror a lot on the stream. You and I are collaborating on a horror stream this coming Thursday, um, the 29th of October, 2020. So very much in the horror mode, very much in the Halloween spirit. So said, you know, I really want to do um, a horror. So I said, hey, are there any scary movies you like, Darren? And you quickly spat out a couple titles. Hellraiser was like one of the first two or three titles that you, you put out there. And I think we just were like Hellraiser and then we moved yeah. on and that was it. Why this film? Oh my goodness. All right. So, all right. When I was a kid, first time I saw this, I was six years old. So it was uh, 1990 and it had come out on VHS. Because back then, you know, it took a while for movies to come out on VHS. They didn't come out like six months later like right. they do nowadays. So I was at my cousin's house and here's the thing about where my cousin lives. This is four blocks away from where I used to, where I grew up, and he lives in a brownstone. Brownstone in New York City is a mansion. It is a literal mansion, I'm telling you right now. Like, you would never expect it to be, but it's a huge, huge thing. And his room, my cousin was very much into goth. Um, he was very much into, like, heavy metal and stuff. And he was like, you know, and he, has a, he had a younger sister, and he's like, I just got Hellraiser on VHS from the local, you know, video store. He's like, we got to watch this. And he goes, Darren, now, just so you know, this is a pretty scary movie. You know, and me being with older cousins, like, I'm tough. I can do this. Let's go. Put it on. No breaks. From start to finish. I remember the feeling I had from the opening scene. And it's funny because rewatching it now, I remember all the feelings I had as a six-year-old who made the resolve to say, after the movie was done, I am never watching this movie again. And here I am rewatching it, right? Uh, from the opening scene, I just remember like, okay, it's like being on a, it's, it's like being on a roller coaster as a child for about an hour and a half. That's just constantly doing like it's going up and it's doing that nose dive down, but the nose dive down is much longer than you feel. And you only get like spurts of, of like, you know, of breaks coming up for That's, air, you know, right? Yeah. And you know, and every other horror movie I've seen, all they all had like some comedy thrown throughout them. And it's probably because this is a British, it's a British horror movie, but they had like yeah. comedy thrown throughout or they have like good breaks in the action. You know, they had those lulls. This movie start to finish. The only real lull 
was probably like that first, 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 first scene where that guy is selling him the box. Then after that, it is just like everything. Yeah, in that like movie. the rapper. Yeah, they yeah, call that the it, rapper, where it's like the beginning and the end. Yeah, you know, and it, it just every like every scene in that movie it's gives you this feeling of like discomfort. Like you're just like on the edge of your seat, going. Everything What's here is uncomfortable. Happen? Yeah, like all the like the characters in the movie, like Julia in the movie, makes you feel uncomfortable. Kirsty at moments makes you feel uncomfortable. Frank definitely makes you feel uncomfortable. Like even, <laughs> e- even the dad, what's his name, Larry? Like even, Larry. Yeah, like even yeah. even hit the way he acts. Like whether either Clive Barker said, "I want all B-list actors who who can slightly understand how to act properly," or he goes, "I want you to act just like this. Act like you're you're really uncomfortable reading these lines, or act like you know the situation that you're in. No matter how you'd respond to it." You just give this level of like, even if you're saying it's okay, you're like, yeah, it's, it's, it's okay. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. You can see the, um, you can see the, the horror underneath everything. Um, And it's not even, it's not, I can't even really say like horror. Like I can't, I don't even know if I can classify it as horror like that. Cause it's just awkward discomfort. It's not even just that. Like I, I watched it and you know, I remember thinking like, okay, this is, Remember when they started saying that movies were like torture porn, like like scary movies, like at some point became torture porn, like Hostel like and stuff like that. Yeah, 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 like Saw, like that, right? I feel like this is the movie that probably gave all those future directors like their inspiration. But yeah. the idea behind their movies was just like we're gonna make everything gory and gutsy. The idea behind this movie is literally torture. It's like a pain and pleasure kind of torture. So like he he invented that genre. For all the torture porn addicts out there in the future, he like he gave that to us, but he actually understood the premise of the movie that he was making. It made sense in that in that premise. I like that. That's that's really cool. Uh, look at it, Darren. Yeah, I just um, I just watched. I've seen it before, but it was a twenty year retrospective. So the movie came out in eighty seven. So this would have been already. So that would have been two thousand seven. So this is already a thirteen year old documentary. Um, the movie turned 33 this year. They did most of the filming in 86, in the latter part of 86. Uh, it was only a million-dollar movie. And this was, a, like I said, the first outing for uh, Clyde Barker. Clyde Barker was a writer. He's a drawler. Um, so a very visual, very visual person. But he wrote horror stories and definitely influenced by, like, the EC comics, which went on to, like, inspire, like, Tales from the Crypt and and right. all that stuff. So it's kind of a very like morality play. And I think that's very much here. And I, I'm really excited to talk to you about some of the morality play at hand here. But the idea was um, this was a this was only a million dollar budget, which in 87 was more than it is now, but certainly still in the low budget end of the spectrum. Right, of course. Um, and uh, Cloud Barker said, I really, really want to direct. Um and he had made some friends along the way through you know, doing some other art stuff. But apparently he had the idea. Uh, he wrote the script, which was based off his novella called The Hellbound Heart. I heard of that, yeah. So uh, he had that, and then he wrote it into a, scre- a screenplay form. And then he basically had like about half a dozen fo- you know, drawings that he had done of some of these gothic, creepy monsters that he had an idea for. But he very much wanted to do something... It was kind of a double-edged thing where he hit a lot of hit a lot of notes at once. I mean, you only have a million dollars, you got to have some money for the effects, you got to you got to save some money for that. 
So how can we do something very limited spatially, even though it's multidimensional? And we'll get into that in a second. But it's all in the house. It plays like a play. You know, we're very much, we're in this creepy, creepy house, which is actually a real house. And uh, the actors all said that it was really that creepy. They didn't have to do much set deck to it. It was like a oh, real love, stuffy. Yeah. And he was like, oh, man, making making the movie was pretty claustrophobic. Um, and, How many uh, cameras? How many cameras did he use for this film? Um, I'm not sure. Generally, generally, it's just one or two cameras. Um, I don't think he did any, like, multi-cam setups. I think it was very much. Yeah, it felt like a lot of single cam shots from different angles. Which yeah, is, yeah. In, in and of itself is, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty extraordinary considering what, you know, how many cameras are on set today by today's standards. Right. And yeah, I'm not sure about the camera stuff. I'd have to look all that up. Um, but what I do know is it really, what you said earlier when we were talking about Twitch and just committing, um, I felt with this movie, like this movie commits so hardcore like, this movie could have easily been horrible. This movie could have easily misfired. Um, they had no idea that it was going to catch on. Like you said, it almost created a sub, sub-genre sub with the sadomasochistic I, elements. I, I think it did. I, yeah, I don't, it I definitely don't say did. It, yeah, it definitely did. It definitely did. I, I think I Fifty say Shades probably. of Grey, Fifty Shades of Grey would not be a thing if Hellraiser if wasn't Hellraiser successful. Hellraiser was not. Yeah. But yeah, bringing um, horror into the home, into a domestic sit- setting. Speaking of, you know, Father, wife, kids, oh, yeah. you know, the, the typical um, Doug Bradley, who plays Pinhead, said uh, in this documentary, I just watched the retrospective that it's Ibsen with monsters, you know, and that's that's what hmm. Clive really wanted. So you think of the dollhouse, you think of these family dramas. But in my mind, horror is such a good metaphor, you know, and we'll, we'll get to that as, as well soon. But do you feel that the domestic stuff really hit home for you? I think that's what. People go in, I think, expecting it to be like, okay, Freddy, you got Jason, you know. Yeah. Is- uh, now we got Pinhead, and then you're kind of expecting it to be this like next iteration of slasher, and that's really where the eyes were at the time. You know, you had Nightmare on Elm Street in '84, so that was yeah. a huge hit by Wes Craven. Beautiful movie. Uh, Halloween in '78 kind of redefined the slasher genre, and then they were starting to get this like famous boogeyman, you know, and then obviously yes. the franchising and having a million sequels and all that. Which Hellraiser just hit the tenth one a couple of years ago, so there are there is that element. But what I think is so great about this movie is you go in for that, and then you walk away with something much deeper and darker and twisted. I mean, visual, so, visually, you strip yeah. all the visual metaphor aside, you strip all the supernatural elements away. I think it's still about an unhappy marriage, and you know, Andrew Andy Robinson. Um, who plays Larry, who's amazing in it, and apparently got the job because Clive had seen Dirty Harry. He plays the uh, he plays the villain in Dirty Harry, the 1971 mm-hmm. Clint Eastwood uh, Don Don Siegel movie, and he loved him. And uh, and then Andrew Robinson really, he was like, oh man, I was getting typecast left and right as a bad guy. I really wasn't getting much film work, but then he wanted me to play Larry, which he's like the lovable the only humor in a very kind of humorless true but it's pretty it's still sad fast when we fast forward a little bit towards the climax uh of the movie you know larry does have even though he's under the guise of somebody else he's he's frank yes yeah he's still it is that actor it is andrew robinson and he is 
yeah. showing his chops as a bad guy. Right, he gets, to, he gets to play both. I know, yeah, and he, sa- he says that in the documentary, how, how happy he was to get to play the villain, but mostly get to experiment with the other side. And, and Frank and... Um, Frank and Larry, to me, I don't know how you felt, but they felt very yin and yang. They're brothers. They didn't feel like brothers to me. That's the that's the weird part. I, I think they could have built more on that relationship with outside of like flashbacks and maybe a couple of pictures. Yeah, I felt I felt like because they said they were brothers, um, that's what I think we filled in the gaps ourselves. So as like when I was younger, and I remember I remember watching it back, you know, today and going, okay. Um, I remember now how I felt when Kirsty said, it's your brother. And I was like, as a kid, I'm like, what is it like serious? Like, you know, you had that like aha moment and then your brain filled in all these extra blanks of what happened prior to, but like, you know, looking at it now, um, I would have wanted to see, and it's hard because Clive Barker only had about an hour and a half. Yeah. yeah I, I it's wanted, very short. Yeah. I would, I would have wanted to see at least a memory of them actually being brothers so I would have felt it more when Frank and Julia actually had to kill Larry, you know, even though they don't show it. I would have felt it more because there would have been a little bit of angst for Frank to say, like, you know, what do I want more? You know, do I want, do I want my brother to live and I get a chance to live? So, you know, Julia brings him a couple more people. Or do we just say, you know what, like we had an affair and he's got to be out of the picture because either he finds out or he, or he dies kind of thing. Like I, I wanted something more there, but I think what you touched on of them being inside of a house, all slasher fix flicks at the time have a sense of escape. They have a sense of, you can run outside and you right. can possibly escape this one because it's in an, an enclosed environment. The escape is to hide. It's always like to, to find a corner to hide, to close a door. It's those moments. You don't get a sense of outside until the very, very end, everything else, like from the pet shop to, you know, uh, the hospital, all those are very, very tight, closed quarter spaces. So there's not much room to run. All very claustrophobic elements. Yeah. yeah. Very, you know, I think, and I think that's, that's also part of the reason why Clive Barker was able to, to really transcend the genre and why, if, you know, for 1987, uh, I think it really spoke to people who were into, it, it's definitely, it's definitely a teenage Horror flick. It's a it's a flick that teens would go see in the eighties and go, wow, this was great because they were the ones that were probably buying the most movie tickets. I think adults, you know, they were still being parents at home and and whatnot. So Clive Barker knew his audience well. That's why Kirsty was is technically the lead, um, and and he didn't choose very very like he didn't choose much older actors to play parents or to play like stepmom or wife or whatever. He 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 chose characters who still very much looked young, so that it appeals to. You know, that like 16 to 30 year old, you know, that were probably yeah. the biggest, biggest moviegoers at the time. And Clive itself was only 30 something. He was like yeah. 34 when they made this. Andy Robinson was probably the oldest. Uh, Clara Higgins plays Julia was only like 33. Um, yeah. So I, I, I agree. You know, I think there's a relatability to bringing it into the home. And yes, there's the multidimensional, you know, moments with the Cenobites, but I really liked what you said about closed doors and closed spaces because I really think this movie is about our inner Yeah, it's like feeling thoughts, trapped. Feeling yeah, trapped like in, our, in ourselves. Trapped. Yeah. And yeah, it's an unhappy marriage. Um Larry's for whatever reason isn't doing it for, for Claire anymore. Um but but Frank is this Frank is 
first off, who do you really who do you think the real villain of the movie is? If you had to like pick one, who, uh, who would you say? Be, for me, it would be Julia. Julia oh, over Frank. Over Frank, because Julia has to commit the acts. Yeah, and, and she so she's basically committing murderous acts for love. Frank. Mm-hmm did not have the means to do it in his original form. Therefore, he could not be the villain. He is the Jiminy Cricket slash devil on her shoulder. <laughs> but it's it's all Julia is the one that makes you feel the most uncomfortable. Whoever she's with on screen, every time she looks at whoever she's looking at, there's a sense of she's going to kill this guy or she's going to kill this yeah. girl. She's going to kill this person. Like the, when, when you saw Frank Very for the Black first time. Widow, like, you know, yeah, femme like, fatale. You, know, you almost felt sorry for Frank in, in the when, when he first reappeared to Julia. And, and I, I'm going to say this. I still had the same feeling when Frank first crawls on the floor towards Julia and says, like, basically, help me. Help me. That is, I, they still use that shot in movies today. That That's still, they still use, like, creatures or or killers who've had, like, their legs cut off. They still use that same style of shot to really creep out the viewer in that moment and it still holds true today like that yeah, like is, that like is, high angle looking down at the creature like looking up kind of pathetically yeah and then, but crawling beckoning. quickly but like crawling quickly at you right with his hands with on its hands like that yeah you know that's i even think like the xenomorph from stranger things when straight when, when it goes on all fours it even kind of moves like how frank moved in that moment so like i, I think yeah. a lot of inspiration for for horror today they use that that specific scene but, but Frank, you feel sorry for him. Like he, you know, he's he's even saying like, "Don't look at me." You know, it's I Don't need your help. He, so he, yeah. he's 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 saying, even though his voice sounds evil, he's saying everything that a regular human would say as a cry for help. Help me! Don't look at me. You know, I need your assistance. Blah 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 blah. Julia is definitely the villain up until he takes back his crown. It takes yeah. his power back from her. I I think they they work together. I'm, I I like asking this question because I really like you said about you know it's funny I I watched this with a buddy of mine um, and he was like, Frank's the villain. Frank's horrible. I can't wait for someone to take him out. I hate Frank. God. Um, I think that they work together because like you said, Frank needs Julia, but Julia is really the one preying on people and bringing them home. She has to kill them with a hammer. Yeah. Which is a very painful, slow way to kill somebody. Very selfish motives. Very selfish motives. Frank is like, I want my own body. I'm trying to get away from this. He's just trying to survive. Yeah. Like he's, he's trying to, he's actually trying to escape. But he's the one that kind of opened the door in the first place. So the puzzle box. But did he know? Did he know he was opening that? Did he know what he was opening? No. But you could argue that that ignorance into exploring territories that are beyond. So to me, this movie is all about experience and sensation and when and greed when you're never satisfied it's almost like a drug addict right like you're not you're not really sure exactly what uh frank was doing you get to see him in the beginning but he's a very sexual guy he's a very kind of spiritual guy probably has a lot of kinks uh normal sex i just don't see it doing for frank you know doing it for frank and then we're we're mirroring that with julia who feels very unsatisfied and unstimulated by Larry, who's a good guy, definitely, you know, not always aware and is a little kind of the the lovable goof or whatever. But, you know, so there's this <laughs> element of like needing more and the puzzle box represents to me the experiences that are beyond our own realm or where we should venture. Like we've crossed that line because of our own insatiability and greed and, we're just not satisfied. 
And so it's it becomes a drug, you know, where you're like, it's never good enough. You probably know people like this. It's never good enough. It's never good enough. It's never good enough. Um, done all the drugs, taken all the things, gone to all the plays. Nothing's good enough. No movie's good enough. You know, it's this bottomless pit where the Cenobites, and actually I didn't catch this line until this time through, but they call themselves explorers. We are explorers of the further dimensions of experience. Demons to some, angels to others. Right, yeah, like that that line caught me. Yeah, what a great line. And but But I never get a chance to see them as angels, and I hate that. Like, I want to see... I, well, or, or who or who would define them? I guess. Well, for me, angel and demon are fused, and let, let's let's say this right now: the movie's called Hellraiser, so it does conjure demonic or right. kind of Christian-like heaven, hell, angels, demons. But I think for me, the point was, you know, and Frank says they they showed me so many things. I know what he's telling Julia, like when he, when I went there, and I think he was really happy. He was experiencing. He got his wish. Right, the genie in yeah. the bottle gave him his wish. The Cenobites in the in the puzzle box gave him his wish, but it was so much and it was so overwhelming, and they murdered him essentially. And he, he got his body back by you know getting a little bit of blood from uh, from Larry's cut on the nail, and that started to bring him back. And that's like Little Shop of Horrors where Julia's got to bring people back to feed him for him to grow. But the first things first is he was like they showed me experiences beyond my wildest dreams. Pleasure and pain, indivisible. Pleasure and pain, indivisible. What does that mean for you? Put you on on the spot. I mean, it's all it's all it's all sensation based, and I feel like I think you already hit the nail on the head. I feel like you've hit the pin in the head. Wink, wink. Um, (laughs) I don't. I don't follow you. (laughs) (laughs) They don't even say his name in this one. I that's I I forgot that they don't mention his name until like maybe the second or third movie. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's not like Freddy Krueger is coming for you. You know? you know, like he as as of that point, like even though he's on the even though he's on the cover, he is literally a Cenobite. He's not he's no different from the other Cenobites. He they all have speaking lines. Well, for the most part, they all have speaking lines. Um, but I feel like that line was just more. It, it's it's kind of like that moral dilemma, where that was his hook to catch Julia. And I don't I don't know if necessarily she needed that as motivation. Like I think. Just her wanting that sensation with Frank back, um, I, and I, I feel like it was it was thrown in there because of the concept of the Cenobites and because of the concept of you know like sadomasochism, like that. That's part of the reason why that line was said. But the line itself holds a lot more weight than the context in the movie. So we can like that line itself could be the tagline for a movie that you could design something around. It's literally like I get chills. Hearing that pain and pleasure, indivisible. Like it's exactly like you said. It's it's sensation and the quest for more and more and more sensation and the insatiability of wanting. And then the Cenobites, they're they're just the genie in the bottle. They're just the explorers that he was able to uncork. They're not forcing anyone to do anything. They're the you know Doug Bradley who plays Pinhead said they're very much the neutral, just neutral arbiters of the world they're not good or bad or or not even sure if they're human i think later they develop pinhead's origin story more as we get down i don't want to get too into it but apparently like he was originally human seven eight nine and ten yeah yeah we literally are at ten now um i was on a quest to watch them all but after 
I think you could pretty much stop after two if you if you really need more than yeah, maybe three, four. Yeah, three, three is enough for me. <laughs> yeah, I didn't really enjoy three. I thought yeah. I thought it started to kind of betray some of the rules that it established. I hate when horror sequels do that. Like, you can be as silly as you want, as over the top as you want, but like, like in Freddy 2, it's like you don't even have to be asleep for him to get you anymore. There's like a pool party where everyone's just attacked by Freddy. And yeah. I'm like, it's not even, you're not even honoring like the original hook of the whole ideology. Well, and to well, me, see, that's that, when it loses that it. That I kind of understood because when they figured out he can only get you in your dreams or in your nightmares, I should say. I felt like they go, well, we just pigeonholed ourselves into, you know, like we've killed off our own villain because the teenagers have figured out how to defeat him. You defeat him in your dreams. So what, what would be the next evolution? Freddy, as a villain, has to go, well, I need to stay relevant. So I need to figure out a way to escape the, the dream state and, you know, enter reality a little bit. But, but you're right. Like, you know, they, they didn't have to make a part two. They could have just made a part one and kept it at that. And it would have been a forever cult classic. Yeah. Um, three is a lot of fun because then you get into the group dreaming and then they go back to it being dreaming again. Right. I guess that's what it is for me. It just feels like you can just see the they're, they're not they're not committing to it, I guess. No, I mean, but, you know, then again, they also have editors and, and you know, Hollywood telling them what they can and can't do. I'm sure I'm sure Wes Craven and Clive Barker both had original ideas. And yeah. Unfortunately, production companies and you know everybody's like, no, let's try this instead. Let's, yeah, let's do this. It's merchandising and marketing, and anyway, yeah. not not to get into sequels as much, but in the original, I really, to me, this movie is about when we're not communicating what we really want and we're stuck in our own. Like for me, if Julia had been real, she would have probably just left Frank. You know, I'm sure you got a kid. It sucks. Or figure out a way to, to make it work. But she didn't really seem like she was wanting to make it work. She really wanted to just get the sexy, frank, but, but, hedonistic well, element. And that's why she fell in love with him. Yeah, well, Kirstie's not even her daughter. I think. Her, yeah, Kirstie's not even the daughter. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, it's a step. Um, so it's a metaphor for a broken home. Um, you know, and... Uh, but it's one of those things It's like, who's at fault, I guess? What What's... For, for you... What do you think the main kind of thesis statement is? Like the the morality play, if you were like a Twilight Zone or an EC Comics episode. Like, what is this movie trying to say? What do you think <laughs> at its core? Um, Don't open puzzle boxes. <laughs> no, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty sure. It, like, it, it's it's a weird. It's this weird trope of, you know. You you know exactly what you're gonna get, especially when you're asking for more. Like they both, I feel like both of them knew, especially Julia. Like she knew the further along she got into it, she even was like, "No, no more. That's enough. Like I can't yeah. do it." And but then she had to push herself over the edge, and she knew what that meant, and she knew what the risks were, right. which is why you know she she met the end that she met. Um, but like the, it's it's just that you open a puzzle box, you know what you're gonna get. You you, you know you're. You're gonna get a puzzle. You know it's Pandora's box, right? Or whatever. Like, you, know, like yeah. the, you can't you can't expect you know like oh I got this puzzle box I put a bunch of candles around myself and I know what I'm about to expect like I know this is about feeling intense pleasures that I've never been able to feel before like you're not gonna open it up expecting like chocolate cake like you know that's that's you you know you're gonna get something <laughs> there that's probably gonna be more than you can more than you can chew and you're yeah, hoping you're in over your head yeah yeah you're hoping you can do it but you know like yeah there's no there's no way. Like, I think even Frank knew Frank for that, like had a moment of like, I, there's a chance I can actually escape. 
but he was he was pigeonholed. He was basically blocked in that entire house. He could not escape that house whatsoever. He had never had a chance to go outside that house. And when Kirsty threw the box outside the window, it's like in that moment when Frank was like, no, like, like screaming no. Yeah. That moment you knew Frank can't leave. He cannot leave. Not because he's afraid that people are going to see him. He is stuck where he is until he can finally get like his full form and then leave that premise. So there was probably like a lot more supernatural elements that Clive wanted to dive a little deeper into. Like, you know, he was, he was trapped into the, in that room up until he could take Larry's body and then kind of roam a little bit more freely. Or I guess take his skin. I don't know. I, I love that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The physical avatar. Yeah. We're dealing with cross dimensional stuff. I mean, to me, so again, it's not about heaven and hell. It's called Hellraiser, but this is like a multi-dimensional. I mean, I'm a huge Star Trek fan, a big sci-fi guy. Uh, it's the multiverse. You know, these Cenobites are in another dimension. Um, they they are summoned by the box, and they're bound by the box to do. They do their thing. They're, this is who they are. They very matter of fact, like I said, neutral arbiters. We are the Cenobites. You open the box. We come for you. Like there's this real nice, like satisfying, just simplicity to their their modus operandi. It's the humans that are playing all the games. And, yeah, they're, and they're confusing doing their everything. job. They're yeah, they're doing their nine job. Nine to five. You know, they're doing it perfectly. <laughs> Hell risen nine to five. I, you know what? I feel like if we call this movie the box and not Hellraiser, the box. I like that. If I feel like that, it, that just a simple name like that alone would probably catapult this movie further, uh, you know, to to be at like one of the top of the stratospheres of, of horror movies. I think right now it's like Hellraiser is like, you know, top 10. I feel like top five easily. If you had just named it the box, because imagine how much your brain would have thought of uh, for a horror movie called the box. And then you get basically the Hellraiser movie. Like, I feel like your brain would have been like, yes, understood. Yeah. I know. Hellraiser, I, I think yeah. Hellraiser is a little sexier of a name. I think it tells you a little bit more, but ultimately i think you're right i they didn't really raise hell that was the thing like you know like that could be taken so many ways like i could be trashing hotel rooms i could be considered a hellraiser then you know I was, <laughs> well I was they expecting... they raise they raise another dimension and i think here it is i i think the cenobites represent that that bottomless pitness of needing more sensation they're they are explorers of the further reaches they say so it's like be careful what you wish for you might just get it like you're not satisfied, so you're looking outside of yourself. You're looking outside of the relationship. The answers are your family. Like, make your family work. It's a metaphor. You go searching in other dimensions because this isn't good enough. And that, to me, is what the Cenobites represent. Um, and I love that, you know, once they're called, they have to, they have to be answered. And I love the bargaining, that, which ultimately is the heroic deeds of our hero, Kirsty. Um, she basically was like, all right, well, I'm going to negotiate with you guys. Somebody slipped. Somebody got away. Frank got see, away. See, that's the part I had issues with. Really? Because Frank did not explain to her anything. He just said, it's your uncle Frank. And that's pretty much it. And she was just like, no, 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 no. You want the box? Go get the box. Throw it out the window. I'm running after the box. I'm running with the box. I fall asleep. Like it was not explained to her that he needed, he needed to escape. She, she really, she was really able to figure out a lot of her own, you know, for a teenager, you know, so kudos to her for being, for having a very high Teenagers IQ. are smarter than you think. 
Yeah, but like you know, that's the only thing that took me out of the story. Watching it now, As I mean, a kid, she uh, I didn't care, she but. got the whole spiel from from the Cenobites. You know, if, if you don't do what we we want you to do, and then it's like, all right, well, I know Frank got away from you. And but how? She, but how would she? But see, the thing: how would she know Frank would have gotten away? She could just assume like Frank is also still like he he still he couldn't go anywhere. He was trapped. Look how he looked. Like it wasn't like he was in his human form. And it was like, hey man, Cenobites. You All know, right, that was, was a little bit of a having to stitch a couple things together. Yeah, you know, once again, it could be editing. Maybe he had that scene explained, and then you know they were just like, no, cut that out. People don't need that. You know, the, so conjecture is important to me in terms of. Yeah, it's funny that that, does, that doesn't hang me, that doesn't hang me up because I just felt like she got it. You know, it's a simple hook like. The Cenobites come for you, Uncle Frank. But yeah, I mean, you could chalk that up to kind of a little bit of the allegory metaphor playing itself out a little straightforward, you know, like, you know, yeah. Had she had she said something for me, had she been like, had she been like, wait, 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 wait. Instead of me. (laughs) Wait, what's going on? (laughs) Yeah, like, let's hold on. Instead of me, instead of me, Uncle Frank, no, he's he's kind of half dead. Why don't you just take him instead of me? Like, you know, it wasn't like, hey, one got away, right? And you're still and, and, and you're looking for him and they're like, no, impossible. You couldn't no, nobody ever escapes us. And she's like, well, well, one did. You know, like that moment for for a teenager to be able well, to. I think she put it together because of, of, of the puzzle box. Possibly. She, maybe it gave her that yeah. that, you know, maybe maybe gave her a little extra knowledge. Technically her first experience with the puzzle box with that weird crawly demon on the walls. Um, which by the way, I saw the man's legs in in like a split second. So he, his hands are in the top of that that monster, touching the walls and moving. But in a split second in that hallway, you can see his legs running towards her. You know, as an adult watching that. What are you, that, what are you like, talking about? This is a documentary. This, this is real. <laughs> well, but but you know that that was. But honestly, that was probably the only real monster in this entire movie. That was her only experience that she had with the box is that she was being chased by a monster that had nothing to do with pleasure or pain. That monster was just literally out to kill or eat or something. So that that that's why I was like, how did she, how did she gather all that up until when like you know Teeth Chatterer put her put his fingers in her mouth yeah. and she could barely talk. Well, I think the movie had a lot on its plate to communicate and do in ninety minutes. Uh, he had a lot of ideas. Characters. Yeah. yeah, no, they're, they're, you know, it's, nothing is without flaws. Um, I just think that this movie really resonated and really. They, they even said, like, I had no idea this was going to be so big and, and, and such a phenomenon. You know, like, the actors were like... It's funny, because uh, Doug Bradley was like, oh, man, I, I was hoping they would cast me as one of the leads where, you know, I would have been wrong because I got to be in 10 of these now because I was Pinhead. I, I didn't realize that Pinhead would become... It seems so silly. It seems so, like, straightforward now, but, I you know, I didn't think I was one of the main core folks. Has he been and, you know, you only appear, you only appear. Yeah, he's been in, like, I think all of them. Wow. Yeah. That's that. That's dedication to that role. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, he was like, I had no idea. This is my first movie. Um, I had no idea that it, this would be, that that the killer, and it was like one of one of the main killers. Sure, he's the front killer. Monster. Not even. Not even. I don't think he threw a single hook into Frank. I think he literally, it looked like, it looked like he was a supervisor walking around making sure. Yeah, he's like the supervisor. Job. Yeah, it's exactly. Yeah. Got the clipboard. He's like, all right. Yeah. That's like, all right. Well, there we go. Good. All right, great. <laughs> yeah, you t- tore off a torso. You're doing, you're doing great. Keep yeah. Up the good work. Reviews no, he's like, I had up. no idea. I had no idea that this would be, and then I would be, and obviously now I'm Pinhead and obviously so grateful. And um, he's such yeah, a pleasant pin- guy. 
He just appeared yeah. on Joe Bob's show at the end of season two. They did Hellraiser two, which I actually went back to and thought it was pretty cool. And they actually show like the hell. It's called Hellbound. Um, they actually show some of the hell world, like they actually cross over and all that. So you get to see a little bit more. Um, but I, I still think this movie is is perfectly self contained. You you could just watch this one and and stop. Um, if you want some more mythos, you could keep going. But um, I still feel like Christie really rises up and and is tough and. Um, you know, I I'm I, I just this movie's great. I I love it. I love the '80s slime. Um, <laughs> that that just, was that was great practical effects. They, I've been though, watching so much of this era. Even though it was like the teachers, you know, you know, like the uh, you know, like the skeleton you find in like your teacher's uh, classroom, or like you know the one with the organs and like the muscle structure. It, oh like, yeah, he was able to take that, pop it on as the effects, layers underneath. Right, right. And this add a little bit of slime, a little bit of fake blood, and made it looks made it look as good as it did. You know, for a low once again, low budget film, a million dollars, you just have to pay your actors. You know, you gotta pay your cameraman, you gotta pay your lighting crew, you gotta pay, you know, uh, your 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 audio engineers, you gotta pay your editors. So he 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 got you gotta pay your special effects people. He he made yeah what he could for those effects. Like he he did a good job on on Frank's makeup. Yeah. Um the effects are stunning. And they really hold up. And I think this era of practical and you can just, I guess, a lot of KY jelly, a lot of like actual (laughs) slime and you can really feel it. Uh, Ghostbuster slime. Yeah. Yeah. Ectoplasmic, ectoplasmic residue. And you can really feel the visceral grossness in this era. And I just, I, I really, really love it. Um, I, I think that they're doing a lot of cool stuff with computers and now we're starting to see a nice blend. I always talk about this. I feel like in every episode of my show, but like, they're starting to kind of get the blend down of, of doing both, but there's something about just all practical and you could just, you just know it's a thing, a real thing you're looking at. Uh, Frank being birthed. Um, I guess they did that backwards. So they played it in reverse. Yeah, they, did so it a lot like, of, they did a lot of reverse. Yeah. A lot of reverse photography. And uh, yeah. man, um, Bob Keen was the main uh, effects designer. There's a lot of names to mention on the team, but I'm not going to drown you in names, but, the, the vision and the the commitment from everyone on all sides of it. Uh, the practical effects just, oh, man, this movie is so slimy and gross. And it just, you could just feel, you almost want to take a shower after this movie's over. You're like, Ugh. But I love I it. Know, I how love that Frank, feeling. How, how was Frank able to be so darn slimy, touch Julia, and not get a single slob of slime on her or blood or muscle structure? Like, nothing. Like, she would come out perfect on her clothes. Maybe perfect on the outside, but inside. Oh yeah, we all know she was slimy on the inside. That's the blood was that, there. That's a no-brainer. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know. I mean, you're looking at the guy, and he's dripping, and you get to yeah, see, like you said, the sinews and the muscle tendons and the all the the layers that they did, where they would show like it was almost like you were like you. I love that you're like in high school, like dissecting something. You can see it all the way through. Yeah, and then he's still talking and moving around, and he's horrifying. I think he's much sure scarier is. than Pinhead, personally. Just seeing him like sure slowly. Wait, well, uh, it was echoed probably... a bit in uh, the '99 Mummy yeah. with Brendan Fraser. I'm not sure if you saw that one. Of course, he's, he's consuming like souls to regenerate himself, and he's. I always think of Hellraiser. Another, another underrated classic. They don't even show. They don't show that movie enough. They don't. I I just yeah. watched Mummy it again. and Mummy Two were great. I haven't seen two in a long time. I I I've seen one probably 10, 15 times. It's two. Two was great because they gave you the backstory. Uh, of uh, of Billy Zane's mummy, 
Uh, I forgot his name. Um, they give you the backs, like the love story and everything. And The Rock is in it, too. That was his first, you know, major motion picture. And now look at him. So a little bit of history you get from The Rock. Um, It wasn't Billy Zane, actually. But oh, that's right. No, no, I'm sorry. Oh, God, that's right. It's not Billy Zane. I always. It looks I, like him. It Emo- looks just Emotep. like Billy Zane. Yes, 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 yes. Emotep. There we go. Not to get too off topic, but I, you can feel the influence of this movie. And like you said, it, it really has it has worked its way into the, the most iconic horror movies. Um, I don't think it's it's got some it's got some clunkiness. It's got a little bit of some some groaner moments, but mostly I, I th- it's real lean. It's it. I've been watching a lot of movies from this era, like 90 minutes. You know, there's something to be said about just boom. You know, we're all in one spot. Minus some of the flashbacks and stuff, which were mostly there as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, how'd you feel about the music? Did the music stand out to you this time? I'm a big music guy in general. Um, and when the music, when the music is really good, you don't, you don't notice that it's there because it builds on the tension and it builds on like it feels like it's right. all part of the scene. If the music is captivating you and you're thinking like, man, this music is great, you're out of the element. You know, the, the you're out of the experience. And I can honestly say I watched the movie and there's not there wasn't a single time that I said to myself like, this music is fantastic. You know, so that that's that's a testament to the sound effects crew and to um, you know the yeah, guys you kind of forget music. you're so absorbed. Yeah, it, it puts you, it transports you into the world more sonically. Absolutely, yeah, and. Um, I I love the score. It's so gothic and so orchestral and so dark and so brooding, and all those like that angst and all the the repressed emotions that we were talking about. Um, like you were saying, everything that uncomfortability underneath everything, the tension. I think the music really mirrors and heightens. Uh, Christopher Young was the composer, and um, the story goes is that. He was thinking more for this story with Clive. He was like, I'm going to do something that's kind of like sonic diarrhea where it's all over the place. And he's like, I'm good at doing this kind of like trippy psychedelic, it you know, to kind of work with it. But, well, no, what happened was um, he literally, Clive was like, I really see this as just like a big orchestral, gothic, large, larger thing. The music's got to be larger than life. And he's like, well, it all takes place in a house. Um, and then uh, Clive was like, so? <laughs> and uh, and then he's literally like, Christopher was like, oh, man, I'm so glad he, he was so smart to go that route. I wasn't really thinking of going that route. I was thinking more like, like you were saying, more like ambiotic, ambience. And I don't think ambiotic's the right word there. But amb- ambience, like, just to kind of heighten it a little. But these super orchestral stings that you get. Um... And then when the Cenobites appear, it's almost like an anvil being struck by a hammer. It's like, dong. It's very, like, funerary bell. You get these, like, dong, dong, you know. And, oh, man. And when the, when, the, when the notes strike with the Cenobites coming out, and that one shot with, like, the smoke's pouring in the, you know, you get the cross-dimensionality of, like, right. the tile in the bathroom. And then you get to see the, uh, the smoke pouring out. And, you know, the Cenobites are right there, and they're coming into our dimension, like, the stuff, the the swells there were really really strong, and ah oh man, the mu- in my opinion the music like every now and then there's a score that just sonically portrays what you're seeing visually, and I think this is one of the best. I really think Christian knocked it out of the park with this one. It's very like waltzy, very like ballet waltz kind of like heightened reality. It's Anyway, yeah. Like how, however, however they came about the music, like even if even if it was the approach of like sonic diarrhea, it just it all 
it all added to to the film and like there wasn't a point in time where i wasn't in the moment and i think yeah. the music played a huge role in that and like i said like if you if you're watching a movie and you're going like man this score is fantastic that means you're 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 not paying attention to what's happening in the movie like for instance lord of the rings lord of the rings there were tons of times where i'm like god this movie is so long but the music is great you know that kind of thing never yeah. had that that feeling here right you never felt like you're kind of waiting waiting around no it's like you said uh you know we're right into it um they don't yeah maybe almost to a fall like you were saying you felt like you, you kind of rushed a couple beats for you um i've seen it so many times now that i you know i maybe some of my criticism on some of the beats but for me i i get it that she put it together maybe they could have used a little bit more but i i i'd rather less than more i think modern sometimes i love judd apatow i don't want to poo-poo his name at all but he said okay we can start doing two and a half hour comedies i'm like Comedies should always be shorter. Yeah. But watching a lot of movies of this era and a lot of horror for Halloween right now, the last couple of months, I've been on a massive tear. 90 minutes, like boom, boom, boom. You know, it's in, it's out. You know what you're getting. You're hooked right away. That was the standard back then, too. Yeah. You got 90 minutes to tell a story. Yeah. And there's something to be said about that. I mean, sure. I, I love, I love some of the Tarantino like waxing and waning about, you know, a hamburger in a car or whatever. Like some of those moments are great, but for the most part, I like, I like it lean, you know? Um, not to mention I've been doing a lot of double headers. So I'm like, Oh, I have time for two movies now instead of just one. <laughs> uh, that's maybe ingredient. I just want to watch everything right now for Halloween. But yeah, I just felt like, uh, this movie is just so lean and in my mind, perfect. And I, I, I don't know what the what it what is deep down what does it want from us you know what is it what is it trying to say that like the endless search for pleasures and pains and experiences I don't think is it bad? I honestly don't think it wants anything from us I think it's just it's a story of you know like hey you get what you pay for so this is what you want don't come back crying saying like oh no <laughs> what did I get myself into it's like, yeah. look you look you, you wanted to buy an alligator you better expect to get bitten. That's how it is. I love that. That's great. Yeah, yeah. I just, I guess the multi-dimensional element is really the only thing. But I think it's like, uh, like they were saying, it's Ibsen with monsters. I really just feel like it's a metaphor. The box is that the box represents that that never-ending insatiability, that hunger for more experience, for more sensation, for more. Whereas, focus on what's tangible, what's in front of you. You know, focus on what's real. There's an element of like, you know, Frank, Frank just couldn't be satiated and therefore he got this whole thing going on, you know, and uh, regular life experiences just weren't good enough. And so I think it's not saying like stick to your turf or stay in your box or whatever, but or literal box, puzzle box. But I think it's yeah, I I like what you said, you know, you knew you knew it was coming. Right. Um, And you asked for it. So don't don't go crying now. I love that. That's great. But I think. I think there is an element of truth to just this bottomless pit of, you know, we're, we're, we're children of this consumer generation. Um, you have kids now, you know, they see something, they want it. You know, there's that element and it doesn't stop necessarily when you get older um, where I think there's part of your energy has to go into appreciating what you have, not looking for what you don't necessarily. I'm not saying like be satisfied and you're always growing and learning and building and, and all that. Like we said, you know, your show is, for example, like always trying to improve, you're always trying to perfect and get better ideas and push forward. But there is a point where 
looking for sensation or pleasure or pain in the wrong spots, you know, yeah. instead of focusing on your family and your loved ones and your friends and you, you know, yeah, that, you know what, that's, that actually rings very true. Like there, there are times where <clears throat> there are times where even myself, when it comes to, to my show, like I'm constantly trying to push the envelope. It's like, Hey, you know, pay attention to what's here. Pay attention to what's in front of you. And, you know, I have to take breaks. I got to play with my kids. I got to, you know, watch some TV with them or, you know, read to them or wrestle with them, you know, spend some time with, uh, with, with my fiance, you know, like we, we, you need those breaks. Cause I, it's very easy for me to get caught into this downward spiral of, I got to keep working. Like I got to work at this, work at this, work at this, work at this, because it's going to be perfect in the end, or it's got to be perfect in the end. Um, and every minute that I don't do something is a minute lost that I could have finished it a minute faster and gone on to the next idea. Yeah. You know, Cause the concept of time, I think, is probably is probably humans' worst fear. Yeah, it's it's not necessarily death, or it's not necessarily like you can get hurt. I think it's the concept of time that you've got a finite amount a of it, limited finite amount of it. I know you it know, is it is a horrifying concept. So, like, know, how many more books will I get to read, or how many? But yeah, like right? like you just said, if if you're constantly like, I need to be working, I need to be pushing, I need to be, like, yeah, okay, but. I, I'm a fan of I'm working. I do my thing. Like right now, as soon as I get off the phone with you, I'm going to stop for the day. I've been going all day. You know, it's nine. I mean, you're, it's midnight for you, so you should definitely stop. But like, <laughs> uh, yeah, like structure it. Like this is my time to work. This is my time to rest. You know, because you can, you can, there is the workaholism. You know, it's not just drugs. It's the other side of the coin where you're like drug, you know, drugs or alcohol are kind of the easy targets for that, you know, that constant like addiction or whatever you want to call it but there's so much addiction in our lives and even our work and even just like oh if i'm not working then what am i doing i oh my god what what's the whole point what does it all mean i only have so much time and then you start spiraling like that's a problem that you we all have to yeah. worry about as well and there's we something about just that. let me just sit here with my glass of uh you know lemonade and i'm just gonna sit here and enjoy the sunset or you know take a moment because if you're in the other way then it's like it's just never ending hunger. And yeah, then it's, it's, it's never, stressful. It's never ending, the funny thing is it's a never ending hunger with the idea of, you know, I'm going to finish so I can finally enjoy glass of lemonade looking at the sunset. But because it's a never ending hunger, there's never that sense of you got to like, all you, right, have to permit, you have to permit yourself to have that break. Yeah. You know, you have to give you know, yourself like, permission, like finishing something or finishing a project. If, if you only have one project in your entire life and you need to finish that, that's different. But if you're like, you know, I got to keep going, got to keep going. Then obviously the concept of finishing is not a thing. So right. finish for the day. That's an abstract. I'm done. I'm, yeah. I'm done for the day today. This is my finishing point for the day. Now I can enjoy get up the next day. And then you go back to the whole, you know, let's hit, hit, hit that work one more time. Let's punch it in the face and hope to knock it out. Yeah. I, I know I'm here. I am labeling you the hardest working man in, in Twitch and all that. And yeah, I get no sleep, but then again, you know, sometimes <laughs> my kids are in my lap while I'm working on things or while I'm supporting streamers, you know? So I, I kind of, I try to combine the two of them or if I'm at work, this is funny when I'm at, when I'm in the office, I will do, I'll do my work so well and so quickly that it gives me extra time to work on my stream stuff. And I have my own personal laptop at work so I can actually work, do my job for work and then turn to the right and do some stuff for streaming. And then like, I can go back and forth kind of thing. So you're, you guys aren't wrong. Like I, I am a little bit of a workaholic, but I do, I do need time sometimes to, you know, just kind of 
unwind and, and spend with the family. Yeah. Sleep is as a concept that escapes me. That's the only thing. I know. Sleep is sleep is one of those things. It's 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 a strange thing. Yeah, give where... me thirty six hour days and I'd be fine because then I could, you know, I'll work for a good twenty eight of them and go to sleep for the final eight. I know. I, I, I know I fight sleep too until I'm sleeping and then you're sleeping and then you're I mean it is kind of another dimension to go back to the puzzle box like every night we we kind of go to a different dimension a different um and our brains are actually you know in a different resonance and there is a separation so but I love sleeping man and I Who I doesn't? think I, I think I need more than I think I, I think I'm the, people are like do you sleep you do so much stuff and I'm like actually I sleep a lot <laughs> Yeah, so that's one thing I say I don't do. I sure as hell don't sleep a lot. Yeah. Well, you need to teach me that trick because, man. No, one... no. You need to teach me your trick. Forget that. <laughs> Show me how to sleep a lot. Yeah. Here it is. Enjoy what you're doing. But it's not the only state of being. You know, there's a, there's different modes in our day. You know, enjoy work while you're working. But don't forget to stop. And, right. you know, remember what's important. And I think... This horror, horror is a way to go into taboos. But what's so great about Hellraiser, amongst others, it, it it's not a gothic cathedral. It's not outer space. It's just a house and, yeah. and a family. But you know, somewhere in somewhere in New York City, I think. But the horror in us all is, you know, the idea that you know we only have so much time, and God, we got to keep working, got to keep moving, got to keep moving. What does it all mean? But. You just got to appreciate it and you got to love it. Um, and don't look look for it outside of, you know, it's right here in front of you, I guess. Whatever it is. That's true. Yes. But it's there. Right it's there. there. Right there. Right you know that feeling you. like, I, I remember when I was in high school, I was like, oh man, wherever I was, the party was elsewhere. I was literally in that mentality. Um, and it wasn't until I got to college, I've got a buddy of mine, John Heslin, I'll give him a little shout out. And he was like, you just got to believe that you you are the party, man. And I made that switch, and I tell you what, it's been the best damn switch. Because, yeah, you get FOMO or whatever, fear of missing out, or, oh, man, what's what's around the corner? The grass is greener. And I think that's what Hellraiser is trying to say is, like, no, man, you don't need some puzzle box with some alien multidimensional being with piercings to tell you that it's right here in front of you. <laughs> Oh, that's what you know. What I I think that like that's like the perfect way to end the segment. Yeah, like, that's that's really, like the best line of the night. I'm really pumped that I just stuck the landing there, didn't I? You sure <laughs> did. You sure Sometimes did. I can't. I'm, t- I'm too far <laughs> out to stick it. Oh man, well, Mr. Darren Emanuel, you and I have been chatting for about two hours, and oh, yeah. um, it's been a play. It flew by. It really did, actually, man. Yeah. I had no way. Like when you said, like, oh, it's midnight for you. I looked down at the clock and I was like, holy crap. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. Now, this is a real joy, man. Thank you so much for doing it. Absolutely. Um, I'll be sure Anytime. to put all the, um, I'll put all the links in the, in the description, um, to all your stuff. But, uh, was there anything you wanted to say or touch on uh, Yeah. Chance? You know what? Everybody, make sure you're listening to the Andyplex. This is a fantastic, fantastic show, and I had a lot of fun. And if you aren't, look, if you're looking for something to listen to, this is it right here. This is it. This is it. Stop what you're doing, download, and just enjoy your day. Thanks so much, Darren. I love working with you, man. I I can't wait to have endless more conversations with you about everything. Same here. 
Same here. Everything and anything. And uh, I look forward to twitching with you soon, sir. All right. Twitching with the best. Twitching with the best. All right. Well, God bless out there. Get some rest. Remember what we talked about today. You can stop and smell the roses that are right in front of you. Time to time.